Yes, hi, hello, welcome back to Gooncast, this is James, also known as Saber0307 on Twitch, and uh, yeah, I'm once again joined by Cat and Lee, hi Cat and Lee. What it is. Hi James, uh, I'm Cat, aka the Attack Cat on Twitch, uh, dialogue designer by day, writer, horror enthusiast, gamer I guess, by night. And once again, it's your boy Lee Alder, the Valley Jester, horror and fantasy writer. And um, this this is because of you people. You're to blame for this. Yes. This is true. Uh, thanks yes. to you guys uh, voting on Twitter. We're here to discuss the Silent Hill circumcision theory. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Walter Foreskin's Fortescue. Oh, uh, my God. We are extensive about this. Yeah, yes. we, we really wanted to do a deep dive on Walter's oh fascination with Foreskin. Uh, <laughs> and all the foreskin simians in, in Silent Hill. Four. No, no, we're, we're here to talk about our, our top Lord. ten, our top, our personal top ten favorite games of all time. And let me stress that this is our personal favorites. It's not mm-hmm. a definitive, pretentious. Oh, these are the best games ever. The, 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 no, fuck it, fuck no. all that shit. Fuck it. No, this, there's, this there's just, probably. There's probably going to be a couple games on here that we're like, nobody should ever play this, but it's great. <laughs> yeah, there could be games on, on these lists where it's it's like, oh, you know, it it, it happens to coincide with a, with a game that's considered a, a widely beloved classic. But in a lot mm-hmm. of instances, yeah. you know, there's there's personal reasons for liking a, per, a particular game and, 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 and whatnot and, and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, also, I've, I've got an honorable mention for an extreme piece of turbo jank. We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I would like to um, I would like to also note that uh, for myself personally, um, and I believe probably a little bit for James as well, um, I have not included any games that I have personally worked on in this list. Yep, um, same. Purely because uh, I kind of. That kind of feels a little narcissistic to me to be like pat myself on the back that I made a game that's considered one of my personal favorites. Uh, I do like most of the games I've worked on. Uh, it's just that and, you know, if I did not have that hang up, probably some of them would end up on my favorites list of all time. But because I'm kind of like, mm, no, I, I you know, I, it just it feels gross to me. So uh, if if you have worked on games and consider them your favorite games of all time, like awesome cool but it's just that's not for me so yeah unlike cat and james six of my 10 spots are dominated by jank i made on rpg maker 2003 (laughs) surprise surprise and the uh, the other four are hentai puzzle games so uh that's funny because because, uh six of mine are are jank you made in rpg maker 2003 (laughs) (laughs) are are they all corpse party (laughs) we're being exposed they're all corpse party fan games that we made Just involving you peeing everywhere. Oh my god! Yeah, it's 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 the the okay. le- the legacy of Yuka Lolly of Time. Oh my god! It's like a Kendo mod, but it's just Yuka peeing everywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the first person shooter section. Ah, oh, oh, there you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so we're gonna structure this much like we structured our our previous top ten list for uh mm-hmm. our top ten uh things we experienced in 2021. Uh, so we're starting with honorable mentions, followed by our number 10, uh, starting with Lee. Okay, so... off. Yeah, I just want to get the honorable mentions out of the way. Um, this Putting this list together surprised me a lot because there's certain genres of game 
that I gravitate very strongly towards and that I feel like I tend to seek out and spend a lot of time with. And actually constructing the list, I didn't find a lot of those genres in the top 10. So it was really surprising. But I've always considered myself to be like a big uh, FPS and fighting game guy. Um, but then relegated to the uh, honorable mention slots, I've got one of the, the most influential shooters of all time, Doom 2 Hell on Earth. Um, representing the fighting games, I got Soul Calibur 2, best in the franchise, and a piece of PS1 jank called Battle Arena Toshinden. Fuck yeah! Uh, if you like old fighting games, get in on that action. It, it, it controls like crap these days compared to what we're spoiled with now, but it's great character designs. Uh, one of the first instances of um, 3D fighting arena combat with weapons. Uh, and then shout out to a legend, because I spent way too much of my time playing it, uh, Diablo 2. There you go. Yeah, so those are the honorable mentions. Um, cool. And then rolling into number 10. Oh, be- before, um, before you continue, Lee, one, one thing I, yeah. I forgot to mention, uh, or two things actually. One, uh, shout out to Caroline for, for looking over our lists. Uh, yes. Um, yes. To make yes. Sure She's that... going to be on the podcast soon. She's going to be a guest, a guest, uh, yeah. a guest goon yeah. at some point. But yeah, for, for now, she, uh, she gave our our lists the the good old once over. Yeah, so thank you, yeah. thank you, girl. Thank yeah. you, Caroline. And then um, <clears throat> we decided to go by uh, Screw Attack rules, uh, which is basically uh, one per franchise. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, yes. Which, yeah, yeah. It, it, Sorry. It, it it at least for me, I think it makes the list a little more interesting to make because, like, otherwise, yes. you know, it could be cluttered with, you know, like. Yeah. Six uh-huh. Metal Gear Solid games or something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, or or like the entire Corpse Party franchise for Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Lee. Get the fuck Niku. out of here. Yeah, yeah. Niku. With Cat, where it's just like number number one through ten is just, just uh, Senrin Kagura. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, you know. So it's like, <laughs> She's like, yep, you're right. Yeah, you're right, yeah. I love them anime TV games. Uh, yeah, so it's just, we, we, we restricted it to the one per franchise uh, mm-hmm. and... and it's personal favorites. Anyways, yes. Lee, continue. I'm sorry for the interruption. Hell yeah. So starting off with number 10, um, I tried to actually keep a semblance of order. Like from 10 to 1, we're going, you know, towards my favorites. Yeah. But, you know, this murky, like, 5 to 10 area is kind of tough to whittle down. But this one is mm-hmm. firmly in a 10 spot uh, because I recognize that a great deal of my infatuation could be recency bias. Mm. Uh, number 10 is Elden Ring. Oh, I fucking nerd, hipster nerd. <laughs> I'm I'm captivated by it. Yeah. Um, there are you know plenty of issues that I have with it that we talked about in the last episode of the podcast. Uh-huh. Um, and some of them are issues that um, that I'm hoping will maybe get better with time. You know, some patches, but some can't be fixed. Some are some are issues that are inherently instilled into the like core of the game, like the method of storytelling and things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. But I I love the great depth of lore that is mm-hmm. integrated into the into the fabric of the series. George Martin has his hands all over it. Um, and it's it's I've always had a soft spot for the Souls franchise, Bloodborne especially. But Elden Ring is one that you can just really jump into, adapt to its its demanding play style, and not feel like you're climbing the you know impossible mountain like Dark Souls Two could feel like. You know, Elden Ring lets you feel like you can slide into the driver's seat, like you can 
you know, that you can overcome these challenges that the game is presenting you with, with only a yeah. few cases of like imbalanced bullshit. There's a there's a yes. few. There's Millenn- definitely a few. Millennium. There's a few, but like there's no bed of chaos in this game. Yes, yes, that that is true. I will say nothing ever felt such like such bullshit as I've heard I've heard tell of in previous titles. So well, but yeah, bed bed of chaos, especially just to go yeah. off on its ass for a while. It's like you know you need to bash it through its phases, just like any other boss fight. But if you die like mid phase two or three on an attempt and then come back to it. It's still in that phase, so you start the boss fight at phase three, and it's like, oh, this is. Oh, dreadful. but you have to like get through like all of its health still. No, it's yeah. it's it's well, it's, 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 it's gimmicky as it's, hell. It's a gimmick fight where basically it's like it's a stupid fucking tree, and there's you two, platform there's it kind two, of. There's two orbs on either side of the tree, oh, and you have God. to go to the orb and break the orb. And when you break the when you break an orb, all of a sudden good chunk of the ground just disappears it fucking collapses in on itself uh-huh. so once you uh-huh. break both orbs that opens up the center pathway to where you can kill the tree okay and you then have to fucking platform to oh, the fucking goddamn center platform and all mm-hmm. of its fucking attacks are like crazy laser shit and big sweeping tree branch attacks that easily knock you into fucking oblivion now the, the plus side is like when you get to the center there's virtually nothing that can kill you, and it okay. dies very, very, very quickly. It's just okay. everything getting to that getting center to point there. is it's a just yes. poor construction. fucking nightmare. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Well, at the very least, there's nothing like that. Yeah, I yeah, actually, and Elden. I, I I do appreciate somebody including Elden Ring on this list because I was very torn, and when I get to the the slot that it would have been in, I'll explain why. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, good, it, on, it, good on you. <laughs> yeah, it, there's just so much going on with it that I'm able to overlook my realistic gripes with the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And part of it is that once you do dig through the mire of the, you know, the quest lines, and now that I'm on a second playthrough, I know how to actually go through them without cutting them off prematurely. Okay. Um, so I get to play them out entirely. Yes. And yes, the the storytelling is fantastic. That the plot is wonderful uh, there's in so many characters that just jump out of the game and like reach that echelon of just like they'll be talked about for years mm-hmm. ronnie the witch blithe um so many fucking great characters so yeah it's 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 got its kinks we've got a whole episode on it you can listen to um but it is it it's it's got to be in that 10 for right now just because of recency bias but that's yeah. where it's gonna stick right now Elden ring number 10 Hey. Okay. All right. So I guess I'm next now. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let me let me start with my honorable mentions. Uh, once again, uh, yeah. I, like in addition to um, what James said earlier about like we we limited one per franchise. Uh, I also kind of tried to limit it to like one per like studio or creator sort of thing like you okay. know I, I didn't i didn't want this whole list to be you know w- one person nothing represented but, yeah you didn't want nothing all yoko taro yeah <laughs> yeah oh yes yes david yeah. cage clearly top yeah. of my list omicron number um, <laughs> one indigo prophecy number two <laughs> yeah 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 exactly exactly um but uh actually sim- very similarly to you lee uh i very much like you know consider myself i'm i'm mostly a like mystery point and click like adventure game mm-hmm. kind of person and yeah i i 
actually had trouble kind of like populating the list with that because I I feel like I play a lot of those games and I really like a lot of them, but I don't know if they crack they crack top ten for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like like there's a lot where I'm like, oh, that was a decent game, but it's not really a good game. You right, know? exactly. It's just a game I enjoyed but not loved. Um, like uh uh I mean I, I, I meme on it constantly, but like Murdered Soul Suspect is a great example where like it it's not even on my honorable mentions list, but it's like, oh, this is the style of game that I like. This is mm-hmm. like the kind of thing where like if I see like ghost detective mystery like adventure game i'm like ooh, sold <laughs> yeah it, it surprises you when you make this list because like i think mm-hmm. i'm a big rpg guy and i don't have uh-huh. a single final fantasy on here damn yeah yeah exactly i was i was like i was like i feel like i'm very like into horror too and there's only one horror game on my list um so but because of that a lot of my oh damn i don't have any games. yeah yeah right <laughs> I know. big was, horror fan like, confirmed it was it was tough. It was tough. Uh, okay, but so my honorable mentions are um, I got to stick it with my with a lot of my co op games. I really do like co op games. A lot of yeah. them did not make top ten though. Uh, Portal Two, Left for yes. Dead Two, and Phasmophobia just phenomenal co op experiences. I just like you know Portal Two was probably one of the first ones I got into doing like co op with my friend. Uh, Left for Dead Two, I have countless hours. That was one of the ones that. Um, uh, Will and I played together when we were uh, long distance. When mm. I was living in Baltimore, he was in L- he was in LA. Um, so we played countless hours of that with like you know my sister and and his roommate. Here's the uh, important fat- question: Which character did you play? Um, I was usually Nick. I think good, ah, good, good, yeah. Taste. good taste. Yeah, good taste. yeah. I, I was Nick, and my sister was usually Ellis. Yes, that's, that was there. That you was, go. That was the, that was our dynamic duo. Um, and then uh, Phasmo, obviously, like the three of us. Have, have gooned it up in Phasmo plenty that, you know, we all have our, uh, we all have our likes and dislikes for that game, but I think it's mostly on the like side. Absolutely. Um, and then the other two I have are two other horror games, um, Until Dawn and Resident Evil 7. Until Dawn. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, you know what? Like, I, I was not going to include anything from, uh, what are they, Supermassive? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I wasn't going to include anything from them because, Really, like, you know, I I have a lot of problems with them. And Until Dawn is not by no means a perfect game. It's got a lot of lot of issues. But I feel like it's such a great, like, couch, like, movie game experience. Because you're, you can all sit there and, like, deliberate on, you know, the decisions that you're making. Where you're like, oh my god, like, like what do, who do we save? Like, what do we do now? Kind of thing. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just, it was very fun to play with, like, I, I would actually show the game to, like, I had, my, I had my sister play with me, I had Will play with me, I had a bunch of other friends play with me, and it was really fun to see, like, what they would decide to do. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why it makes the list. And it's just, it's just, like, it's a fun game, right? Like, it's a, it's a slasher movie, basically, that you're playing out, and mm-hmm. you are the slasher, essentially. <laughs> it's just, it's a really fun concept, and I hope, I hope they go back to something like that like i didn't like any of the dark pictures games well the quarry so really looks to kind of be that way and i, I yeah hope, i hope the quarry winds up being good yes that's that's my hope and then re7 was you know my first resident evil game uh it was the first game i played in vr and it's fucking phenomenal in vr uh and i just i really i really enjoyed it it was just it i had a really good time with it but didn't crack my top 10 all right um so let's 
let me let me kick it off with my my number 10 and this is I'm going really old school for my first one so I did like the opposite of Lee where like instead of instead of recency <laughs> bias I'm like I'm doing the like nostalgia bias first right. <laughs> um so back when I was a kid uh I was really not allowed too many like video games like I had friend I had a friend who had a Sega Genesis that we would mm-hmm. go over and play Sonic at her house right um and that's sort of, and like the Disney games and that sort of shit right um but really, my parents were like, we have a PC, you can have games on the PC, but like, no, no, no electronic device that's only for games kind of thing. Um, and uh, well, I mean, other than like the handhelds, I think. Uh, but uh, in the early 2000s, my sister and I uh, managed to convince them to get us a GameCube for Christmas. We were like, we don't want anything for Christmas. Like neither of us. One gift. One gift. We just want the GameCube. So they got us the GameCube. Uh, and one of the first games we got with the GameCube was Super Mario Sunshine. So that is my number 10 is Super Mario Sunshine. <laughs> solid, um, solid. Yeah. Yeah, solid. Yeah, it's yeah, thank you. It's a um so I I have a very um I have a very distinct uh like one of the things I very much appreciate about games that allow me to just kind of like explore and roam around um and this is kind of i guess going back to elden ring a little bit um is i really like good world building i really like good world feel Mm -hmm. you know where it's just like you you can just immerse yourself in this universe and for you know a couple of hours you're just completely transported into somewhere else right Mm -hmm. um and super mario sunshine was like the first game where i really like felt that where i was just like like you know like you know i mean Granted, I've always felt transported by the Mist games and stuff like that, but this was the one where I was like, I have full 3D control. It's this, like, really lovely little, you know, like, slice of paradise that you're exploring, and it's just so bright and, and like, vibrant and, and cheerful. I actually have never beaten the game because uh, at some point late in the game, uh, the, the, the main island, like, floods. And uh, basically, you can play in that flooded area for as long as you have your game turned on. Um, like, and literally, it's just progressing to the next area that will trigger, like, the flood to go down. So my sister and I just played in the flooded waters for, like, hours and hours on end. To the point where we, like, left the console on overnight so we could come back. <laughs> and play more in this little like flooded area where you just could like zoom around with your little like jetpack and like uh it was like I was just like this is this is so like we kind of like you know that's not the way the game wants you to play it it's just like that's supposed to be like a little minor thing before you go beat the big boss but we were like this is the jam this is what I want to do um so yeah I just that I I really really enjoyed that and uh, yeah I just I think that game is um is is really killer. I think I think there have been Mario games, you know, beyond it that have been, you know, better, that have improved on the formula, that have like given more given a lot more uh interesting stuff to do, you know, like I mean Odyssey and uh the, the you know the Mario Galaxies are obviously very beloved, but mm-hmm. Super Mario Sunshine just takes the cake for me. Just again, a hundred percent nostalgia glasses, but Hell yeah. It's the greatest. <laughs> My entire list is nostalgia glasses, so <laughs> Yeah, that's why this list is favorites, not best. Yes. Yes, exactly. We don't need to have a whole list of, and then in the number three slot is Breath of the Wild. Hey, that's my number one. That's my no. number two. No, yeah, exactly. I and it, just as an aside, I'm I'm on team. 
I'm happy that people like Breath of the Wild, but it's not for me. It's better than Skyward yeah. Sword, but I don't I, like Breath of the Wild all that much. I like Breath of the Wild a lot, and Breath of like I once I get to the, that slot, I will explain my like decision making process for a certain game that I picked over Breath of the Wild and Elden Ring. Cool. But, mm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I think I know which one you've got. Okay, that'll, yeah. that'll be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jam. All right, so. Uh, before I get into my honorable mentions, the main thing that I kind of want to point out is outside of, like, my number one and maybe number two, the entire, like, order of my list is just completely arbitrary and, like, it changes based on my mood and what I've replayed recently and, 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 and everything like that, so, like, it, it, it fluctuates. I'm sure if you were to ask me, like, a year from now, this list would be kind of different or whatever, but, uh, as for honorable mentions, um... Kingsfield, aka Kingsfield 2 hey, in Japan. Hey. Um, okay, okay. That game has really strong atmosphere. It has a shit ton of controller jank, but I, I, I like the setup uh, of just like you you wake up on a, a sort of cursed island with no means to get off outside of just dangerous exploration and stuff like that. And like, again, the, the atmosphere is fantastic, I think. It's really just very engrossing little game. Uh, Blood Omen Legacy of Cain, the nice. first entry in the Legacy of Cain franchise. Actually, that's my favorite entry in the franchise. Just Cain as a character is, is fantastic. The writing is top-notch. The voice acting is top-notch. And it's sort of this dark, mature, gothic horror 2D Zelda game. Uh, mm -hmm. Next honorable mention is Super Mario World, which is the very first console game that hey. I ever played when I was like five years old. Hey, uh, yeah. And my last honorable mention is Final Fantasy VIII, which is my favorite Final Fantasy game. Yes, I know it has a lot of problems. I don't fucking care. It's the game that got me to like JRPGs. Hey, other Final, Final Fantasies, Fantasies, other Final Fantasies, with the exception of, like, one, don't have Triple Triad. Yeah, Triple Triad is fucking fantastic. That that carries it for me. Uh, <laughs> if, if I were to say objectively what the best Final Fantasy game is, it's Tactics, but it's, just, it's not my favorite. It's eight. Uh... As for my number 10, uh, that would be Harvest Moon 64. Uh, okay. It is my oh, I thought I thought about putting like a Harvest Moon or an Animal Crossing on here. So I want to hear you what why why is it your top why is it your number 10? Um, I remember I read about it in a magazine and I I I just remember the the little like blurb on on like the stupid like headline for it was grab your hoe and get busy. And I remember as a as a kid, I was just thought that was the funniest thing. And then I read about it and just, I don't know, for whatever reason, the idea of a farming game kind of clicked with me. I had never yeah. played or heard of Harvest Moon before. Um, and my mom, bless her, managed to 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 get a copy off of the early internet, ordering it from mm. Canada, because it was mm. such a low print, so it was like very hard to fucking find. Uh, and I played the ever-loving shit out of that game, and I got completely engrossed. Uh, and I wound up with a really kind of subpar ending. And I immediately, immediately started a new file so I can get a better ending. Get a better, better form evaluation. Uh, Car Karen is best girl. I will not fucking hear anything about it. Uh, part, of, part of my reasoning for, for not playing a lot of the later Harvest Moon games is... They, they don't have the cast from Harvest Moon 64, meaning there's no best girl Karen, meaning it's, I, I'm not fucking playing this trash. Fuck that. Um, meaning it's objectively well, a lesser experience. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's certainly it, 
janky and unpolished, especially compared to Back to Nature, which could almost be seen as like a PlayStation 1 remake of the N64 game. But just there's a shadow of its former self. Yeah, it's it's just there's a certain level of charm and especially with the jank, like the fact that you can seduce Karen and get her into the status of wanting to marry you on like the first day you meet her because there's a bug where you just keep showing her showing her your dog in the bar like over and over again for about a half an hour and she just I showed you my thing. dog please respond yeah yeah it's I should I, I think I told Kat that please it was like my <laughs> I think I told Kat that uh about that yes. bug and Kat was just like is dog a euphemism for your dick and I'm like no yep no. <laughs> yeah it's yep absolutely it's it's, it's absolutely it's, I said that I stand yeah. by that quote <laughs> it's it's a super charming uh little experience and uh just I I kind of adore it, and it's it's the oh, only yeah. Harvest Moon game that I've I've beaten numerous fucking times. Nice, nice, very cool. Hell yeah, good choice. Yeah, I yeah definitely oh, super approved. Uh, Lee, number nine. Number nine. Okay, so this one is uh is the furthest back in time my list goes. I. Th- think i would have to double check Mm -hmm. that maybe not but it's it's an older pick um also Mm -hmm. kind of a nostalgia pick um and also just kind of it's one of those games that i feel like everybody played and it has that special part in every every nerd's chest but i just went one little step differently um because for all the people out there who really love their pokemon red and blue it's pokemon (laughs) gold and silver that is uh, that is the hey! objectively correct choice, Lee. Yes. No, I love gold and silver. Dude, oh my god. I mean, gold and silver has the entirety of the Kanto region in it. So yes, it's objectively uh-huh. yes. it's objectively um, the correct uh-huh. choice. Yes. It it's it's to me the perfect way to do a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um it expanded upon what worked. It introduced new Pokémon that, you know, for the time were very inspired. We weren't quite at the phase of making the sentient ice cream Pokemon or yeah. the bag of garbage. <laughs> and the people who want to counter and say, well, what about Muck? Fuck you. Muck was here first. Yeah. Muck's OG. <laughs> yeah. Muck owns the land that you bought your house on. Like, get yeah. the fuck out of yeah. here. Um, it, it took the formula that worked and just improved upon it. You know, yeah. still yeah. young plucky kid going off on an adventure. You got a rival. You got a crime syndicate. You got to stop. And then right when you think the game is done, boom, here's your campaign B. Mm-hmm. And not in that way of like, hey, you beat the shitty game with Sora. Now it's time to play it as Riku. No, <laughs> take your team and go fight the next crew of badasses who are the ones you already know from yeah. back in the day. Oh, culminating yes. in what I think is one of the best final boss battles of all video gaming history, uh-huh. Red at the top of Mount Silver. Yeah, that fucking Absolutely. is, that was like, it's probably the most intimidating fight in Pokemon history. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, God, I have like to shit. fight me. I will, I will also say, I think, I think the second generation of starters is probably my favorite. There's some strong, Totodile's fucking strong. Totodile's Totodile's strong. awesome. Cyndaquil, like, Oh my god, like, I, I've never, uh, what, Bayleaf is the other one, I think, right? Chikorita. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never, yeah. uh, I've never played with, uh, that one, but, like, 
a really strong character design that that becomes super cool by the oh, end. Oh, Meganium looks wonderful. Yes, yes. Ba- oh, Bayleaf is the middle. Of That's the middle right? one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I, th- I, was... I think all of them have really strong designs. Well, like, I am definitely one of those people who does not approve of the all of the starters from, like, Gen 4 on just become humanoid by their third evolution. Yeah. I just... It doesn't do it for me. I really like the, you know, suddenly I have a fucking dragon, you know, by the yeah. end of my, uh, my my shit. And like, you know, just do I had I had a giant crocodile and then a giant like fire armadillo. And I was just like, yes. Yeah. Yes. They, the newer designs occasionally they occasionally like sometimes just nail it. Yes. Like, you know, as as classic as Eevee is and the classic mm-hmm. evolutions. Mm-hmm. Sylveon is my favorite, and that's Sylveon the newest is perfect. one. Perfect, yes. Um, you know, as sacred as the first two, like the two first two gens are, mm-hmm. of like you know they're they're the core foundation. Mm-hmm. Like you know, oh yeah, a bunch of my favorites come from later generations: Dusk Noir, Salamence. Yeah, yeah. My favorite Pokemon of all times, Gardevoir, and that's not even because of like the creepy sex pervert thing. Like that's. Like that was genuinely it's not only my... because of the creepy sex <laughs> Well, no, it's like you know, once you once you become a nerd and you start like reading the Pokedex entries and you're like, oh, this is the Pokemon that like if its trainer is threatened, it'll open a self-destructive black hole. Yep. That will that will suck in the opponent, but kill the Gardevoir at the same time just to protect yep. its trainer. I'm like, yo, that's yep. a, that's that's real. Loyal <laughs> that's as fuck. Shit. <laughs> Um, yeah, but then, no, yeah, Gold and Silver was was the perfect sequel. It took what worked and made it even better. And I think that with all the installments that come out and the overexposure to the franchise, people kind of forget how good that early shit was. Mm-hmm. And you get yes. people scratching the nostalgia of, man, remember Red and Blue? Nah, remember nah. Gold and Silver. Gold and Silver. That's yeah. where it's at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I... I, I... Fully agree with you there, Lee. Good, good, good pick. Hell yeah. All right. Now it's my turn. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone here is going to agree with me on this, and that's fine. You know, like, everyone's allowed their own opinions. Uh, and also, I fully admit that this is 100% a me-biased thing. I just... I saw this game. I saw the advertisements for it. I saw, you know, the 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 sort of, like, pitch of, of oh, here's here's this... You know, it's from this team who's done this other thing you loved. And also, you get to fucking control the monsters against other people. Honey and I'm pop? watching these videos. Yeah, honey pop. You know, and I'm watching these videos of players playing as the monster that other players are hunting down. And I'm just like, oh, holy fuck. Like, this is my fucking game. So Evolve is my yep. number nine. <laughs> Okay. Um, I've yeah, never played I, Evolve, like, so I can't disagree with you. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of people did. I was, uh, you know, one of the, like, 400 concurrent users that we had, like, <laughs> six months out of launch or whatever. Uh, I didn't pre-order the game because uh, at that point I was no longer pre-ordering games. Thank you, Watch Dogs. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I did... I did buy it, like, shortly after it came out. I convinced Will to buy it. That was another game we played long distance together. Um, but after he had already gotten, gotten bored, gotten tired of the game, I kept going. 
and uh, it's probably, it's like the first game I really played got extensively into multiplayer. Uh, I basically developed a little community of people on Steam that like many of whom I'm still friends with, a lot of whom switched over to Overwatch with me, you know, by the, the, by the end of Evolve. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I even had like, I had a team. I had a little like semi-pro team of people. We were awful. We actually, uh, <laughs> I, I found a uh, an old like post I made about Evolve on like Facebook or something like that, and I I didn't remember this, but there were creatures in Evolve where um, the only thing they did was poop. Um, they were these little like slug things that would walk around the world, and they would poop, and it was like a tiny little thing that the monster could eat. And it was basically just like if you had ab if you couldn't kill something and you had absolutely no food and you just needed food desperately, you could eat this thing's poop. And we named ourselves after these poop monsters because we were like, we're really bad at the game. <laughs> but like <laughs> This is very tonally different from what I thought Evolve was. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's very much like my my group really made it kind of like its own thing, where we were just like <laughs> Thank you, James. Yeah, you're he welcome. Has changed he has changed my name in the Discord from Grief Clown to Grief Clown Poop Monster. <laughs> so, it's what, it's what I so yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, the, like this game was just kind of like the first time I had a, a like a really really solid multiplayer experience where the community itself kind of bolstered the game a lot. And yeah, when I would play solo, I would play I would play Monster, and um, there was I will fully admit there was a lot of jank around Evolve. Uh, Asymmetrical multiplayer games are very hard to tune for, um, as we've no doubt seen with Resident Evil Resistance. Yeah, uh, it just kind of and and Dead by Daylight, to a degree, um, it does eventually yeah. become a very unbalanced mess where you get people who, you know, the the top tier people need their challenges, and then the devs kind of only cater to them, and then the rest of the community kind of dies out because it's just like you know when. When you kind of break Kraken to the point where they're just flying constantly and they never they they never have to touch the ground and they can just spam lightning from everywhere, eventually in the lower tier gameplay, that's all you see. All you'll see is like low low effort Krakens just like flying around and like spamming lightning and you can't get them to land and you can't hit them and it's just kind of like, okay, well, wow, this is fun. Yeah, exactly, and it just becomes really bad, but. I, I was a Wraith main, so she's the, the invisible invisibility stealth like assassin type monster. Okay. Um and I I fucking adored playing as her and uh specifically I played her kind of not necessarily anti to how you're supposed to play her, but if I got trapped, I would actively engage with the hunters. Like I would fight them at level one. Where, like, most people were, like, like to the point where most people, like, I, I usually didn't win. I didn't win a lot. But at the end of fights, I would get, like, people thanking me. Like, you know, like, the other team would, wouldn't, like, clown on me for being bad. They would be like, oh, my God, thank you. That was, like, the most fun Wraith fight I've ever fucking had. And I'm like, yeah, no problem, you know? Like, I'm glad I could, like, give you some entertainment sort of thing, that, you know? Like, that I sounds... That sounds so much nicer than RE Resistance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. No, I don't. I don't know about that. We, in RE Resistance, we had that one mastermind who just was a dancing zombie the entire time. That's that was, true. That was really wholesome. He was. He was wonderful. Yes. No, that I, was, like that was very wholesome. Like I, I don't want to hijack the story, but like, <laughs> I, I waited for so long to play Resistance, and then I finally got it. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna learn Mastermind. I'm gonna get this shit, and that's when I found out matchmaking isn't level adjusted. 
Yeah, I guess and that's, that's when yes. I got four dudes who stunted on me so bad. I remember yeah. the last game I ever played before I uninstalled was I was playing as Birkin. I summoned William. And then two dudes with baseball bats beat the shit out of him while uh-huh. while the other two stood nearby and danced. Oh, my God. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, I, I quit right after that. I uninstalled the game. I'm like, all right, yeah. we're done here. I, I will say that, like, I, I wish Evolve had been more popular, but I do think that part of the, you know, part of the good thing about it not being as popular was that the community kind of got very close-knit. You didn't have mm-hmm. people just coming in to be like, oh, I'm, like, MLG, and I'm just going to flex on everybody, you know? Like, And maybe that was true of the, like, you know, gold platinum tier people, but I was, like, I was like hard stuck in silver, so I'm like, ah, you know, like, I'm good here. <laughs> well, from the way you're describing it, it sounds like Evolve was much more community-based. Yes. Whereas yeah. games like Dead by Daylight are very just, like, one person out to be a cutthroat. Yeah, yes, yes, and that is, yeah. For their Twitch and, stream. Yeah, and, I mean, part of that is because we had so few players that it was like, you know, if you don't have monsters playing, you're not playing games. So it has to at least be somewhat fun for the monster players. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, in general, it was just kind of, it was a really fun like year of my life that I dedicated to evolve basically. And nice. uh, just for that alone, that it gave me so much entertainment and, you know, I, I dropped off when it went free to play because they um they changed a lot of the like a lot of the meta. It became less about because the other side of it was, you know, I played Hunter a lot with my group. Right. I was usually the uh, I, or I play I played the like humans, the, the, the people actually going after the monster. And mm-hmm. I played the Hunter class a lot. Specifically, I did a lot of um, Abe, who was the basically Matt Mercer do, doing uh, Cassidy before Cassidy was a thing. OK, he was like he was like a he was like a space cowboy. Um, he was fantastic. Uh, and, uh, uh, fucking Crow and Gobi, who was the, like, literally had a little alien hawk that you would send, you would send this hawk out to, like, track the monster. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, it was so cool. Yeah, I, I love, I loved them. So, I would do that and, like, sometimes the medic and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I just, I, it was very much a very, like, hunt-focused game where it was, it was kind of slow at first while you're like tracking down the monster and trying to figure out where they are and tr- really trying to like get in there quickly to like you know get them down a little bit before they evolve um and they kind of changed it to be more action oriented when it went free to play and it just it stopped being fun for me mm-hmm. um but they they did leave up some leg- legacy servers for a while where you could play the old evolve like people like pe- fans basically like reverted their evolves to the old school style but there just wasn't there weren't enough people playing to, you know, get good games going. So mm-hmm. just kind of, it all kind of faded out eventually, and then they stopped supporting it. It's no longer on Steam. It's kind of just like, man, I'm glad Turtle Rock is like, you know, is kind of bouncing back. I think you know, Back for Blood was definitely a good effort. I just, I miss, I miss that game. I wish it had done better so that they could push themselves more. Uh, also, got also shout out to. Um, Stephen Oakley, one of the best creature designers I've ever fucking seen. He's the guy who like designed most of the Evolve monsters. Um, I'll have to check out his work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 actually uh, I I met him because he worked uh, on God of War 
Um, and I didn't even realize that I was, I had been sitting next to him for like six months. <laughs> like nice. the concept art pod was like right next to QA. And I was just like, Oh my God, I love your work. And I just got to gush about how amazing Evolve was and how much I loved the monster designs. And Fuck yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a super cool dude. And also nice. a fucking amazing artist. So yeah, check out his work. He's it, great. It, it sounds like Evolve kind of scratches that nostalgic multiplayer itch of like, there's one I wanted to put mm-hmm. on this list somewhere, but it's just like, yeah, I couldn't justifiably put it in there. But mm-hmm. now that I'm getting like down that touchy feely road of like, oh, the good old days. Yeah. Fuck it, that's how I felt about Team Fortress 2. Oh, yeah. Team Fortress yeah, yeah. 2 back in the day was just like the best. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I think, yes, I think probably that's the slot Evolve fills for me 100%. It's that like nostalgia, like just just hanging out with your bros, kind of. Yeah, I used yeah. uh, One of my one of my best friends from high school, uh, Graham. He and I used to to duos TF two, and it just creates those like endlessly great moments of like you're playing and it's wonderful. And then we got raided by this enemy team of four dudes who all played spy, (laughs) and they were Yoshi Red, Yoshi Blue, Yoshi Green, and Yoshi Yellow. Uh huh. And they had uh they had a. a function on their computer that let them play sound effects like a wav files that everyone in the game would be forced to hear was it all yoshi screams and every time they backstab somebody they go meow, and do a yoshi yoshi meow and, it was, and they massacred us they were good <laughs> of course they were yeah you don't get to beat yoshi blue through red without <laughs> It's it's not on it's not on my list, but if we're talking about nostalgic multiplayer shit, for me that would be uh, Rainbow Six One for PC. I played Ooh. the ever loving hell out of that online. Oh, good pick! I was about to say, don't say Goldeneye. You no, no, fuck. I mean, Goldeneye was yeah. fun, but no, Rainbow Six <laughs> Online. I play odd job. Like no, no, <laughs> fuck that. I played. I played this one civilian who looked like Bruce Willis. Oh, because, I okay. I'll accept that. I, yeah, I was no, I was hoping object, you were going to say 006, no, but okay. I mean, 006 was a good substitute, but no, Rainbow Six Online, uh, OG Rainbow Six Online, uh, was was a lot of fun. And that game was, was great. It was, uh, it's. I I really wish that we'd get another Rainbow Six game like the older Rainbow Six games, uh, as opposed to this hero shit, and then now the, the fucking alien extraction. The fucking alien invasion shit. Get out of here. That's not Rainbow Six. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, James. Yeah. Yeah. So, I struggled really hard to determine which game from this particular franchise I was going to put here. Um, And after a long, long period of thought, uh, I finally settled on... Drakengard. Oh my, my god. A game really? that will ne- yeah, a game that will never be on anybody's fucking list, probably. Uh my explanation Over is automata. Yeah. Wow. Uh my explanation is is uh jazz hands. Um there's something about just the insanity of it. Just the dark fantasy setting, the super grim dark fantasy setting. Um, the fact that you, you you play as a super hateable sociopathic murderer as your protagonist. The fact that the entire supporting cast is filled with shitheads and the only thing that makes you the good guys are the fact that 
the bad guys are fucking worshipping horrible eldritch abominations that will end the fucking universe. The batshit insane cacophony of noise OST. Uh, th there's something zen-like about just the repetitive endless slaughter and killing. It, it, it's, it's, it's basically a Musou game uh, with, with flight sections on your dragon and, and everything like that. But it's, it's, it's a very calming experience despite the insanity and, and the, the loud, obnoxious, chaotic soundtrack uh, and then the frustrating as hell uh, ending e-boss. But yeah, it's 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 Drakengard. I mean, it's I love Automata and I love Near, but mm -hmm. I played through the entirety of Drakengard, and then six months later, I played through the entirety of Drakengard again, and now I've been playing Drakengard full playthrough about once a year, every year for the last yeah. like couple years. It's yeah. it's uh, it's it's not a good game. I, I will not say that it is a good game. Automata and Near Replicant Remaster are objectively <laughs> better games. 100%. And I will never tell anybody to play Drakengard. Nobody should really play Drakengard. <laughs> Don't play Drakengard. Don't play Drakengard unless you really are willing to just put up with a lot of jank and mediocrity in order to get to, like, a, a really worth... A, a intense and fucked up dark storyline. But something Damn. about it clicked with me, so... I'm really happy you picked that. Yeah, it's... Yeah. it's, it's Same. It, it, was, it was a tough call, but I... Time's my boy. The, my fucking boy with the murder boner who just wants to... Wants to murder everything. Like, as Cal and I joke, you know, you know, Fourier, Kaim's sister... You know, is in love with Kaim, but you know, Kaim just loves murder too much. Kaim's uh -huh. like, no, no, no incest. I gotta go murder people. I love dragons and murder, <laughs> and those things go together really well. Yeah, I mean, I, I forgot that ending A kind of implies that he forms sort of a romantic relationship with this dragon. Really? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Their their bond Hell kind fantastic. of becomes sort of romantic. Uh, it's 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 touching it in a way, uh, but yeah, it's. Dragon this, murder over android booty, okay? It, I mean, listen, listen, listen. We stand android booty on this podcast, all right? But, uh, and I stand my bitch queen from Near Replicant. But Drakengard is, is fantastic. And my gay skeleton son, who eventually becomes a motorcycle, and my grumpy book dad. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's Drakengard. Hell yeah. Jazz Great hands. Excellent. Jazz hands. <laughs> Oh my god. Fantastic. All right. Yeah, yeah, we um, number eight. <laughs> Alright, here's here's the one entry on the list where I feel like it, it starts to creep into that territory of like this one does probably pop up on a bunch of top ten of all time lists on various mm. bullshit sites. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I had a fucking blast playing it. I love the source material. Um and it did a lot of things for the time that I think refreshed the open world genre in a way that really needed it, and that's Wild Hunt. Oh, three. Very nice. Um, right out the gate, I'll just get the gripe out of the way. This was before they really kind of like perfected the third person multi opponent combat system. Because mm. the combat 
it's better than one and two, but it can be a little jank sometimes when you're getting into all the flashy sword dancing and stuff. But everything about, you know, the choosing your direction narrative where your choices do actually kind of matter um, down to uh, enemy variety, the story, uh, rich, rich open world. Um, you know, the kind of game that incentivizes you checking out every little nook and cranny of the map to seeing what they're hiding filled with those little stories that are easy to miss if you don't run into that one little hut by the river. Um, lasting, enduring characters, you know, uh, from the source material that this game just did a great job of expanding upon and improving in some cases. Uh, like Triss Marigold in the, bo- in the books is absolutely insufferable and is a rapist. Uh, and in the games, uh, she's a much more sympathetic, likable character. Um, but Yennefer is best girl. Um, yeah, Witcher three, it it gets a lot of, it gets a lot of praise from, you know, the, the big wigs and the, the big fandom sites. And, you know, like I said, the top 10 lists that saturate Kotaku and all this shit. Um, but it is, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Um, nice. But yeah, there's only one that I can I'm... say because I say I, I feel like I feel like the gaming community has spoken enough about Witcher Three that I don't need to say a whole lot beyond that. Sure, sure, yeah, of course. But it, it it's definitely one where like I've always wanted to check it out, and it's just kind of like the sheer size of it has always deterred me a little bit. Um, just because it... you know. There is a lot to uncover. It's a big open world, right? Yes, it it has a shorter play time than Elden Ring. Um, oh, okay. My my that's actually a point in its favor for me right now. Yeah, my completion of Witcher Three uh, for the main story. There's two expansions, um, and the expansion stories are both excellent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's like blood and blood and iron, blood and wine, and, and Hearts wine. of Stone. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Core Witcher Three Wild Hunt. Uh, including like how I call it scraping the corners style of like, I want to really like work every little bit of the map. Yeah, that's me. Um, <laughs> that took me 90 hours. Oh, okay. That's not, okay. That's not too bad. Is doable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then once you get the expansions involved, I want to say the expansions will each add on 15 or 20. Okay. Yeah, again, which, um, not too bad. That's yeah, like especially after just coming off of Elden Ring, uh-huh. Witcher Three would kind of hit that nice point of like, you know, it's tapering off of the long form storytelling a tad, mm-hmm. but not leaving you wondering like, oh, why is this game ending so quickly? Like it's mm-hmm. it's very satisfying, okay. um, and it, it starts to explore one of the best characters of the franchise, uh, Geralt's adopted daughter Ciri, who is just wonderful. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, fantastic game, fantastic uh, story combat a little janky but you know you mm-hmm. you you get over it okay yeah what's your three number eight nice TG. good good call all right my number eight to absolutely no one's surprise um i had to include an entry from one of my favorite game franchises of all times uh it's a game it's a franchise i've been playing since i was in middle school um or maybe not middle school actually Maybe a little bit afterwards. No, no, actually, no, probably middle school. Uh, it's the Nancy Drew franchise. Yes. I am yeah. shocked. I, I am know. surprised. I know. I, I, know, I, right? I, I, am, I am surprised. I know, absolutely. So this was, uh, this was kind of tricky for me because, like, I knew I wanted one of them to be on the list because they've impacted me so much in, you know, just, just growing up and as a, as a game developer, as just, like, you know, 
a, a person really who likes mysteries and adventure games. They're like the perfect fit for me. Um, I, I, yeah, so I really, I really struggled to like narrow it down because there are, I think 35 entries in this franchise. Uh, and I've played every single one of them. Um, and you know, many of them, uh, there's varying qualities throughout. There's some that are definitely like kind of like gap years where like they essentially, um, they would have the team put out like two games essentially within like a six month window of one another. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it very much shows which one was the, like the focused game and which one was the kind of like, uh, oh, this is the one to tide everyone over till like the big game comes out, you know? Um, there are a couple that are much more like about like doing chores and like mini games than actually solving a mystery. Uh, but, um, and I would, I will say that like the franchise has gotten better and better as, you know, like, like as the entries progressed, it's definitely like visibly improved in many regards, uh, to the point where like the last one that, uh, the last one that came out before they like changed hands is like, is it's just a really good game, like really solid in general. Uh, after that, they switched to a different, I mean, her interactive was still publishing and I think the primary development team, but they had uh, a couple other developers on the project for the next one. And it, it, it lost some stuff for me. Um, that, that one sunk my opinion pretty low. Uh, but my number eight is actually kind of another nostalgia pick for me. Um, but it's the Curse of Blackmore Manor. Um, okay. and that is, that is one of the ones that is more, like, horror themed. It's not, it's not a horror game by any means, but it's one of the ones that leans more into supernatural and horror. And it's basically that Nancy gets called to this estate in, um, England, I think, uh, where, like, one of her neighbor's daughters has, like, gone off and got married to this guy and she suddenly stopped returning the family's calls. And uh, essentially, she thinks she's turned into a monster. She thinks she's, like, turned into a werewolf. Um, and so you have to kind of, like, figure out what's really happening here. Is she actually a monster? Is she not? Um, and you're basically stuck in this, like, creepy-ass old castle with a bunch of, like, very spooky, like, suspects. Um, and you're trying to figure out, like, who's behind everything. Uh, and it's just a, it's just, it's got a really cool vibe to it. It's one of the ones that has like nightmare sections and like, you know, like uh, it's very, uh, it's very female driven. Uh, like a lot of the, a lot of the games are female driven just because it's Nancy Drew and they're specifically making these games because, you know, to have a female protagonist in games. But, uh, this one is in particular because it touches on like witchcraft and sort of like, you know, it, it's. It's a very cool game. It's it's definitely, like, it's one of the ones that, like, always gets recommended to people as, like, if you want to try this game or try this franchise, this is, like, the first, this is, like, the best entry to go for. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, it's it's my favorite in, in that regard. All right. Yeah, we, I, I was expecting one of them to make the list, and I'm pretty sure that's one I've watched you play some of. Uh, I haven't played it on stream yet. No? Okay, it's, I'm thinking of a yeah, one It's one of the later, it's, uh, it's not... It's not super late. I think it's number, uh, let me see. It's, uh, it's entry number 11. So it's, okay. it's, yeah, it's, it's one of the ones when they like first started improving on the, the, the formula basically. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's got good vibes. 
It's I will definitely play it at some point on the channel. It's just yeah, yeah. it's a matter of time. Um, All right, good pick. Yeah, my Thank uh, you. My number eight is uh, Devil May Cry Three: Dante's Awakening. Um, yeah, I figured one of those would be on here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I prefer the combat in Devil May Cry Four and and Five, but I think gameplay structure wise, and also even a narrative structure wise, that Devil May Cry Three is the best of the franchise. The game mm-hmm. was sort of an apology for Devil May Cry Two. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not, uh, that, that's not even a A well-deserved apology. Um, Devil May Cry 2's development was, was really kind of fucky, where, um, Capcom kind of greenlit Devil May Cry 2 before Devil May Cry 1 even was, like, came out, and they gave it to another team. Uh, so, like, the team that did Devil May Cry 1 had no idea that Devil May Cry 2 was even a thing until it was midway through production, and they were kind of bummed that they didn't get to be involved. Um... And the team it was given to was primarily composed of people from Capcom's arcade division because arcades were kind of dying. So they were like pulling people from the arcade division go like, hey, make home console games. And Mm -hmm. the the development was such a mess that about six to eight months or so before the game came out, they they basically removed the game's director and gave it to uh, Hideki Itsuno. Uh, who was also from the arcade division, um, and he kind of cobbled the game together the best he could. Uh, but Devil May Cry 2 is very much considered to be kind of like the black sheep of, of the franchise. But Itsuno felt so bad about the state of Devil May Cry 2 that he insisted he handled Devil May Cry 3 because he wanted to make it right. Uh, and, and he knocked it out of the fucking park with... Not only one of the best sequels of all time, but one of the best prequels of all time. Completely sort of, like, like solidified how Virgil should be represented. Because before Devil May Cry 3, all we had was, was uh, Nello Angelo from Devil May Cry 1. And it's, it's probably one of the best rivalry, rivalries in video games. Uh, it, it has a simple story, but it is very, very, very well told. It's silly and bombastic, but it, it hits the right emotional beats, and the three boss fights with Virgil are sort of the perfect three-act structure for, for a video game narrative. And it's mm-hmm. it's a hell of a lot of fun. It's 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 a complete blast. Hell yeah. That's good. It, that's the, the one you play almost every year on your birthday, right? No, that's Double May Cry 5, because that came out oh. on my birthday. Oh, fuck. Oh, okay. Yeah, Devil May okay. Cry 5 came out on like like right on my birthday and that was oh. that that is basically why I started streaming. Nice. So, it's yeah, like, I thought 5 was going to be the one to make the list. No, yeah, f- so f- did I, 5 actually. 5 I... is really 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 fucking good and from a gameplay perspective, I prefer it to 3, like in terms of like mechanics and whatnot, but uh from like a an overall like narrative structure and 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 just progression structure i prefer uh three as a whole damn okay Okay. surprising but you know i mean i figured i figured one of them would be on here so (laughs) cool very nice number seven league of legends put down your pitchforks okay (laughs) i'm leaving I'm Put leaving. them down. Oh my god. I'm leaving. Put them down. No. We all need right, to have a right. conversation. No. All right. I'm, I'm all leaving. Right. 
I'll lower the okay. <laughs> so um so yeah, seven League of Legends. Um you you have to remember that a lot of the bad reaction that that name gets these days is because uh-huh. of a very toxic community. Uh-huh, yes. Which um yes. is why I stopped playing. Um I haven't played League consistently for years. Um, but for uh, those of you still holding torches out there, um, I started playing League uh, in season one. I, I I played back in the day. Yeah. Um, my brother and I were avid Dota players back when Dota was still a Warcraft three mod. Uh, and then when the developers branched off and created the Offspring games, uh, Heroes of New Earth and League of Legends. Um, League is the one that we hopped on to just because of, um, at the time, it was a very different uh, art style and approach, and the cast of characters looked really cool. Uh, Twisted Fate still one of my favorite character designs of all time. Um, and so we got in super early, and I gotta say, if you weren't around for those early years, it was something special. Um, and that's why it makes the list, is it's kind of, it's remembering what used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like you were evolved basically at this point. Yeah, I, I got to be there in the infancy of this game. And, you know, season one was, you know, when it was hitting the pro scene, it was kind of what, what you expect from smaller, you know, uh, video game tournaments and stuff. Um, so when news came out in season two uh, that the finals were going to be held like right next to the Staples Center, it was like, wow, there hasn't been a game that's blown up like this in a while. And um, mm-hmm. a good buddy of mine, Evan, had a contact with Riot Games and got us uh, got us to the show oh, and got us backstage hookups and shit. Hell yeah. And, you know, got to meet some of the developers and some of the uh, pro players. And to be along for the ride and to see it grow and, you know, take over stadiums. Um, and you know, now it's kind of reached for us the level that like, uh, a lot of uh, like Starcraft was in, uh, South Korea of like this absolute spectacle. Um, and yeah, it's unfortunate that these days it's, you know, it, it's become to me nigh unplayable. Um, I, I, in my, in my older, more crotchety years, I don't enjoy playing games that have that, you know, toxic cutthroat multiplayer. I don't have an interest in it. I, no. you know, that all can shove off. But what's, you know, what's still coming, what's coming from the game these days is better than the game itself. Like, you know, yeah. uh, for those of you out there who listen to our top 10 of 2021, I absolutely love Arcane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Arcane is is almost better than the fucking game it was based off of. Um, so yeah, me having League on that list is it's 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 remembering what used to be. It's linked to so many of those memories of me and the boys getting our computers together and taking them to our buddy's da- our buddy Dax's house and crowding them all into his pool room and just crushing ranked games all weekend, living off of whatever shit we could buy from the Seven Eleven two blocks away. You know, there's a lot of good memories wrapped up in it. Hell yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm 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 happy where I am now with the game as an outsider. I'll still tune in to watch the the world finals every year. Um, you know, I've I've still got a couple good friends who are who are big into watching the pro events, so we'll we'll watch that together. 
But as a player, I'm pretty hands-off these days, but I shed a single tear for the beautiful years that used to be. So League of Legends, number seven. Nice. Very good. I Yeah, I, I appreciate your reasoning there. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you... I know people who still play League, and they're not toxic assholes about it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, there's there's definitely still fun to be had, but yeah, I do think that you probably had something very special back then, and... It's definitely not that now. <laughs> yeah, because back in the day, you still kind of had um, you had multiple games from similar developers who were like trying to fight it out for that top spot. You know, Dota yeah. was still trying to be its thing. Dota 2 hadn't even come out yet. Mm-hmm. Heroes of New Earth was trying to do its thing. League was doing its thing. So it was like you picked your team and you rolled with it. Mm-hmm. So as long as you were playing the same game, you were on the same team. Yeah, but yeah, now it's... And then the vicious bullshit started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. When you're like on top and yeah, nobody else can touch you, then the infighting starts. <laughs> yeah. Uh all right. So seven and six for me are kind of the two slots that uh sort of occupied where I thought maybe Elden Ring was gonna sit. Okay. Um seven in particular. I uh surprisingly I've found that a lot of the games I tend to gravitate to are like open world style games. Uh, and it's really kind of a, like, you know, I, I just, I like to play a big sprawling story with a lot of player agency, and that gives me, like, you know, a lot of free time, basically, to just kind of, like, zone out and chill in the world that you've built, right? I think Elden Ring definitely scratched that itch, uh, Breath of the Wild, Death Stranding, all of those kind of, like, had elements of that for me that I really appreciated. Um... And the one I ended up picking for number seven was uh, was one that like basically started my my love of this genre, and I have a lot of reasons for putting it on this list, but I'm gonna narrow it down to three. Um, my number seven is Skyrim. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, part of it is I am a basic bitch, and uh, you know it's a very basic bitch game. Uh, no, it's it's. You know, it's a classic. There's, there's somebody out there scowling, going, "Ugh, fuck! She should have picked Daggerfall." <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I understand Skyrim is like the one that's like the most popular, so it's very much like, yeah, of course, of course, it's gonna end up on like top ten lists and stuff like that. But like, genuinely, I really do like this game, and for me, it's 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 three reasons. The first is that. Uh, it was one of the, so it was a, it was a big, it like, I didn't game that much before like the PS3, basically. Like that was kind of the first big console I had. And then, um, Skyrim kind of like, it does, it does this thing to open worlds, which like, it's not, it's not a perfect open world by any means. Um, but the way the narrative unfolds. Not only is it all like inter- interconnected like Elden Ring, but you actively feel like you are a part of it, where the things that you do affect storylines and not just in a way of like, oh, you kill a guy and that guy's dead now, you know, in like ways where like you make a decision who to support and then that, you know, that group fundamentally alters the world around you. Where you're, you know, you're hearing things about, like, you know, how these how these people are doing. It's changing other quest lines that you didn't even think they were related to. It's, like, altering all of this stuff. So, it's... It, I think it does it in a very, very 
interesting way that a lot of other games don't. Mm-hmm. Um, number two for me uh, was basically simply because, like, I actually felt like I was playing a character in this world. Um, we, we've, you know, we've talked a lot about, like, like, Breath of the Wild is great, right? But you're Link, right? You're not, you're not you, Link. You're not a character you're building, Link. You're Link, you know? You, mm-hmm. you, he's basically just, like, the hero out of time, and he's, you know, trying to save the world. I think they did a phenomenal job in that game with the, the other characters, with the other heroes, characterizing them, and also, like, Zelda's journey is the best I've ever seen out of a Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, like, your character doesn't really have much, like, affecting the world. Um, but, like, with Skyrim, it's like, I could be fucking anybody, right? Granted, we all always default to Stealth Archer. But <laughs> <laughs> but as a character, like, as, as you're tradition. interacting... Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you gotta. <laughs> as a character, as you're interacting with the world, like... Uh, for example, one of my first characters that I played was a, um, he was a dark elf. Um, specifically, I picked him because I really liked the fire resistance, right? I'm like, that's really great for early game dragon fights. So I want to, I want to roll with that. Um, he's a dark elf and he ended up siding with the Stormcloaks, who are like notoriously racist. Mm-hmm. And specifically, their like capital city is gentrified where the, the dark elves are like oppressed. And the whole reason that I picked him and I made him side with the Stormcloak is because I was like, well, my character here is kind of a dick. Like, he's just, he's like a traitor to everybody. He's basically just out for himself and, like, whatever he can do to get ahead, whether he has to, like, step on his own people to do that, like, he's gonna fucking do it, right? And, like, like the fact that the game, like, supported that decision in that, like, it it kind of, like, built off of that and, like, made the narrative, like, like, yeah, you're being an asshole, you know, like not in not in like a very like binary moral choice kind of way, but just in a like I was able to make these decisions despite the fact that like, you know, kind of anti who this like, you know, like what a good character would do or what a like, you know, you don't have you're not pigeonholed into being the hero. You're not the chosen one. You are because you're the dragonborn. But that doesn't mean you can't be an asshole or you can't be like, you know, the head of the assassin's guild or like a thief or like, you know, all of this other stuff. It's just like many options. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and then the last reason uh, is probably the reason a lot of people don't like the game. Uh, it was the bugs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's very weird to say, and I've hit my share of like truly game breaking, frustrating, annoying bugs. Not mm-hmm. to the level that I know James has mentioned before where like, it just like totally like bricks your game and stuff like that. But well, you I know, haven't I run hit into somewhere those on Skyrim, but that, well, that was like yeah, Fallout I, New Vegas. Oh, okay, yeah, but like you know, I I know there are those where it's just like you just hit a bug and it just like breaks a quest entirely, right? Um, but I will say there's like there's so many, there's so many just like it's such a big game, and it's clearly not made with like that much po- attention to polish. Um, but because of that, it just makes it so, and it, it was the first game that showed me how entertaining bugs could be. And it's kind of what started me on the path to like being QA and like actually being engaged with that sort of like work. Right. Mm -hmm. Because like, yeah, to, you know, like I, I really like the, the detective work part of the, the job, but on top of that, there's also a level of entertainment where like, when you see a character just like you know, suddenly just start, like, like their limbs elongating for no reason as the ragdoll physics go insane. And you just can't help but fucking start laughing. Because it's just, like, this is 
so goofy and so funny, and it just, like, doesn't feel like it's taking itself too seriously in these moments. And it's just, it's peak entertainment. So, yeah, that's why Skyrim is my number seven, is because even though I think there are open worlds that have done it better, I think certainly Elden Ring is an improvement, I'm, like, I'm gonna give it to the classic that, like, I, I can keep coming back to that. I could draw up a new character today and have a completely different gameplay experience than I did with my other, like, five characters. So... Skyrim. Fuck yeah. But which which version? Uh, I mean, I have the... I played on PS3 and PS4. So... You need the one that you can play on the touchpad of a refrigerator. <laughs> the one you can play on yeah. your dad's Etch-a-Sketch. Yeah, you know? <laughs> no, I will not... I will not suffer the constant remakes, but, uh, you know, I mean, I get, I get why, because I guess it prints money, so... Yeah. Someone got... Someone got doomed to run on a pregnancy test. Yeah, oh I my saw that. god! Yeah, that was fucking good. great. I, lo- I love, I love those those mad lads. I, I, I love the. Uh, there was a a meme about like uh you know the oldest computer they found. It was like like Bronze Age or something like that. Like dated back to wherever, and they're like it's kept under lock and key in this museum because one we don't know what the elements will do to it. And two, we don't want one of you fuckers trying to run Doom on this thing. <laughs> yeah. Because they will. They will. Because they fucking will. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Yep. So, my number seven is a much beloved classic. <laughs> and it's on somebody else's list, so Lee, go ahead. Oh my god. Ooh. You monster. Right. I think I know what it is, actually. But we'll, we'll You see. don't know a fucking thing. I'll, I have a guess. <laughs> All right. So number six, um, this was this was one of those instances of yeah needing to needing to duke it out between which one was going to take the seat. Um, God, because I, I I imagined there was going to be so much more fighting game representation on my list uh, mm-hmm. because it's it's a genre that I'm really really super into. Mm-hmm. Um, but Soul Calibur didn't make it on there. None of the Mortal Kombat's really did it for me. Uh, as much as Cammy's my girl, Street Fighter's not on there. Uh, but Tekken Tag Tournament is going to take wow. that spot. Nice. Wow. Um, okay. So Tekken, uh, Tekken's been my jam for a long time. Tekken's kind of that thing. Like it's that game that you keep in your back pocket about, like when someone starts talking some shit at a party when the console's out. And it's like, oh man, I'll take you. I'm like, okay, you got Tekken. Load up, load up that Tekken, baby. Um, and tag tournament was just, it was just that one that hit it for me the best. Like, is it objectively the best in the series? Not by a long shot. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Tekken three is is unstoppable in that regard. Tekken three is just probably one of the best fighting games ever made. Um, Tekken seven has been fantastic lately. Um, and then, like my old school nostalgia pick with my with my brother is uh, Tekken Two, the tag tournament, the very first one. The second's good, but the first one, uh, it was it was that nice expansion of the roster before a lot of other games started doing it, um, like Smash bringing back old rosters, um, you know, kind of getting getting the gangs all here sort of attitude. Tag Tournament was one of the first ones I remember of taking all the characters from previous games and smashing them all together into one. 
and going, all right, get in there, have fun. Yeah, I, 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 um, I, I don't, I think fighting game wise, outside of just the very rare instances that Mortal Kombat does that, the, the only games that I can think of are like King of Fighters with their dream match entries. I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. MK is a good example because they did a trilogy back in the day where they put like 70 fucking people into one game on and PlayStation Ar- yeah, 1. And Armageddon. Was, yeah. Oh God, Armageddon! There you yeah. go. Oh, that's that's some that's some good old jank right there. <laughs> um, but tag tournament did it all with with style and flourish, and it was before it was before there was that phase of like every game in a franchise needs to have a new feature, a new thing, which like Soul Calibur started doing. Every fucking Soul Calibur needed to have some new feature. King of Fighters is notorious for that. Street Fighter always does that. Like, we got to have the new type of super guard break or the new EX whatever move. Tekken just went, here's your dudes, and you get two of them, and you tag them in and out like Marvel versus Capcom. Fucking go. And um, yeah. it just, yeah, it did it for me. It, it's got a lot of good memories. Um, endless, endless matches between my brother and I. Um, my buddy Johnny, well, we'd, we'd basically just go to people's parties because we knew they played Tekken, and we would just like show up, smoke all their weed, and beat all their asses at Tekken. <laughs> it was great. Uh, no, no one can beat my king. My king is untouchable. Um, but yeah, just it's it's the the best in the franchise to me, um, and just has a lot of good memories attached to it. So Tekken Tag Tournament. Nice. Will is Will is pretty big in fighting uh, on fighting games. I don't know if he's played Tekken yet, but or if he's played Tekken. If he has, though, I wanna I wanna get you guys together to, to duke it out. Oh, what I want. Oh, he would oh, he would adore oh, it. Like oh, absolutely, he hasn't. Oh, I don't think he's oh. done. Uh, because he he used to do like mash tournaments and you know like a bunch oh, of sweet. other like uh, oh god guilty gear stuff like that like with people, but he hasn't done it in a really long time. So I think he'd get a real kick out of it. Hell yeah, that sounds yeah, like fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, All right, what you got? It's my turn. All right. Number six for me. Uh, again, this is sort of a like pseudo Elden Ring replacement, uh, but it's uh, it's Journey. Ooh. Journey's my number six. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, Don't stop believing, Kat. <laughs> uh, yes, that Journey. So uh, very specifically... Uh, you know, I, I picked up this game pretty much when it came out on PS3. Um, I wasn't, you know, like, I, I really didn't know what to expect. I just heard it was like, it was like a fun little game and, you know, you just like a little platformer and you just kind of, it's like, it's got some co-op, but you don't know who you're playing with. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Um, and I played through it and first of all, it's beautiful. The atmosphere of this game is fantastic it's so simple and elegant and it just fucking works you know like you just you just like that combined with the music it's like the perfect like just like relaxing experience um but the game itself is is has its challenges um and i remember you know specifically like i was going through i was my little my little red cape dude i was just this is my first playthrough through it and i was just kind of like running through collecting stuff trying to figure stuff out and um the way the game is structured is it is uh you know you can play it offline but if you play it online you can have random people join your game 
and you know they they can join in they can help you through some stuff and then they can they can move on you know if you're if you're if you're too far behind or, or whatever or or they'll just they'll just keep going and it's just it's kind of just like various people sort of like coming to you in your journey to try to like help you out um and then uh at one point in my playthrough uh the random person who joined me was this white robe dude and i was like oh like you have a white robe. What does that mean? And I was just like, I just ran around. I was like dancing around him and I was like so excited to see him. And I was just like, like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're doing. And he like, he like did a little dance for me too. And then he proceeded to just like take my hand and like guide me through the entire game. Like he was just like helping me. He was showing me like where the secrets were. He was helping me on like the harder jumps. Like if I fell, he didn't just go ahead. He jumped down with me so we could do it again. Like we could, we could figure out the platform again together. And huh. yeah, he, he led me through, like we were, we were at, we were at like the tail end of the game. So he led me through like the whole second, like last, like, I don't know, like hour or so. It's a very short game too, by the way. Um, but he led me through that last section and we got to the top of the mountain and he left me, he drew me a little heart in the snow. And that's supposed to be like the, you know, like the big thank you everybody does. I have no idea who this person is. I will never, I will never know who this person was, but like for that hour, they were like my best friend in the world. And I know James has talked about that. That was a big part of like Miyazaki's design philosophy for the like Dark Souls co-op and the, the, you know, Elden Ring co-op. And I think Journey is just like the perfect encapsulation of that design philosophy of Mm -hmm. just like having random strangers just like help you through your journey. Like, and it's just, it's so, it's so good. <laughs> like, I just, I have to give them props for just, like, distilling this into this, like, perfect little experience. Um, and I've, I've had plenty of people, like, say, like, Journey didn't click for them. Journey, like, you know, like, they, they played a little bit. They just didn't get it. And I'm just kind of like, I feel like I just had the perfect experience with it where, you know, and I, I learned later that the white robe dudes are the ones who have, like, 100% of the game. Like, they've gotten all the secrets. And basically oh, wow. that's how you unlock the, the white robe. So, he was this guy who was just like playing through the game and just coming in and just helping random people. And I'm like, that's, I I have no idea who you are, but you are like one of the good ones, (laughs) you know, like you're real OG. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think it's, uh, yeah, it just, it really just like, it elevated co-op with strangers to a, to a degree that I never thought, you know, could be possible. So, so my journey is my number six. Sweet. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Um my number six is Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Um, oh. <laughs> that was kind of it was it was kind of a toss-up between Metal Gear Solid 3 and Metal Gear Solid 1. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I think uh-huh. I prefer the overall villains in Metal Gear Solid 1 more, and I, and uh, the plot is more grounded in Metal Gear Solid 1. 3 is mm-hmm. much more camp, since it's kind of aiming to emulate a lot of 60s James Bond <laughs> spy trope sh- type shit, uh, okay. and with, with mix of, of some like 60s era science fiction and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but was fantastic from a gameplay perspective like a a great evolution of of the the core gameplay loop of stealth espionage action and whatnot and the boss fights were impeccably designed um but more importantly 
the narrative hits you on an emotional level towards the end. Um, you're kind of going through it, and you know it's it's this campy, silly spy thing, you know, set in the Cold War and whatnot. And, you know, you're it's 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 ridiculous and over the top. I mean, one of the fucking characters is is the fucking pain, and he fucking controls bees, and he makes a Tommy gun out of bees, and he fires fucking bees at you. Right? It's it's nonsense. But I think that kind of makes the emotional moments hit harder towards the end of the game because you're going through this campy adventure and you don't necessarily see it coming. Uh, the ending is the ending is stuck with me. And I know it's stuck with a lot of people who've gone through uh, Metal Gear Solid Three, because uh, the whole the whole genesis of 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 the the game is basically to kind of explain how the character of Big Boss became a villain, because he he is the central antagonist of Metal Gear One and Metal Gear Two, uh, and his legacy kind of persists throughout Metal Gear Solid and Metal Gear Solid Two. But like he was this revered war hero and whatnot. Like what made him sort of break bad? And that's the whole point of, of Metal Gear Solid 3 is kind of showing the origin story of this, this villain character. And at the end of the game, you get it. You completely understand why. And it just kind of gut punches you. And when it cuts to the credits with Star Sailor's Way to Fall... It's it's just kind of you 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 left as a bit of an emotional wreck in most instances. Like there's there's a distinct reason why the the image of Big Boss saluting is used as like the perfect mm -hmm. sad reaction gif. It is it 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 hits hard. It it's it's a great overall experience. Yeah, it's campy and silly as fuck. Again, Tommy Gun and and the bosses aren't necessarily as well-developed characters as, as Metal Gear Solid 1 and Metal Gear Solid 2, although they're fights. But they throw fun. bees. Who they, cares? Yeah, they throw bees at you. It's fun. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the game is, is, is a hell of a lot of fun, and it, it just... It, it gut punches you on an emotional level at the end. It's, it's fantastic. Nice. Hell yeah. Good. Yeah, I, I knew I knew a Metal Gear Solid would be on the list for you, and yeah. I had a feeling it might be three. Okay. But yeah. I I don't know enough. I don't know nearly enough metal, about Metal Gear Solid other than that James likes it. But it I was, was like, some it's gonna be there somewhere. It's it was gonna be one or three because because mm -hmm. one is fantastic and Liquid Snake is probably my favorite antagonist of the entire series because because he's such a cool. unapologetic fucking shit heel. He is such mm -hmm. a delightfully love to hate villain. Uh, and, and Metal Gear Solid 3 is probably <laughs> the least Kojima pretentious of the Metal Gear games. Uh, mm -hmm. and it, it has the less, the least amount of silly shit in it, but just, just three hits you on a new level with emotional shit. I still think you should have picked Revengeance, but you know. Revengeance was up there as well. It, it, especially because I, I, I. Armstrong is my second favorite villain, and I kind of relate more yes. and more to him each day, yeah. especially fuck this 24-7 trivia celebrity pop culture bullshit. I I am I'm I'm so I'm I I that 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 entire quote is basically me at this point. He used to play ball, could have gone pro if he hadn't joined the navy. Not a machine, son. 
Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous too, Cat. Just how a lot of instances where Kojima kind of inadvertently predicts the future, like mm -hmm. one of the, in the final boss fight with with the main bad guy who is a senator of the United States. He is the antagonist, and he's trying to run for president. I want you to keep in mind that this game came out in 2013, Cat. At one point in Revengeance, he fucking screams out, "I'm going to make America great again." Did Trump rip it. off Kojima? Oh my god. You know, sometimes life imitates art. I, I like the idea of, of, of Don just sitting there with a red baseball cap on and he's and he's playing revengeance and going, This guy, this guy's fucking huge. He's he he's got some great ideas. I respect him. I wanna like, be this wait man. A second. He's stupendous. Rules of nature. Rules of nature. Oh god. Standing here, I realize. <laughs> Damn it. But yeah, no, Re Revengeance is a hell of a lot of fun, but three three hits on a new level. Hell yeah. All right, well, uh, we are dipping back into From Software. Oh, boy. Yeah. And not quite in the direction you might think. Number five, Armored Number Core, five. Silent Line. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it was going to be Armored Core. <laughs> We're going Armored Core, Silent Line. Now, this was a tough okay. one because Armored Core has a shitload of really good titles that I was I was juggling um and Silent Line it, it actually doesn't have even my favorite character in the franchise Nineball Seraph um but Silent Line it didn't do anything new it was in kind of an era where I feel like at least from software was pushing out the Armored Core games as bread and butter you know they were pushing them out because they sold well it was an easy formula to replicate you know put out the game put in the arena mode and put in some missions and you're good to go and silent line was the first time that the driving narrative of the story was so solid that it didn't just feel like i was loading it up to just like you know waste some time in the arena and climb in the rankings and then dip out um Silent Line features a rogue AI that is part of a satellite system that releases this EMP charge and creates this null zone called the Silent Line. So anything that goes within this zone automatically shuts down, meaning none of the core units can get to it to stop it. Um, and so it's it's sort of this like you know, almost fate of the world story of like, oh, we can't use our big badass robots to shut down this satellite that's got like, you know, nuclear death lasers. Um, but just something about the whole the whole atmosphere of the game really, really kept me going. Beautiful amounts of of customization for your cores, which like kind of is, you know, the. Uh, the feature that most people get interested in when it comes to big mech games is, oh, how cool can I make my my mech? Um, lots of great customization options. You can go for the big heavy tank treads and deck yourself out in heavy grenade launchers and shit. Or, you know, you can do like I would do and go for the very lightweight, agile units that are, you know, really tricky to pin down. Um, and of course, as with all great FromSoft games, you've got the Moonlight Blade coming on. Uh, coming through and making a representation but, but um yeah. yeah line just again it did nothing new but it did everything that 
the franchise was known for at the peak of its ability. It did everything that you want from an armored core at a hundred percent. Um, and it's got some of the best multiplayer experiences I've ever had. Cause my brother and I had absolutely contrasting play styles. He had the really heavy, high damage explosive suits. I had the really nimble, quick machine gun dip in and out sword fighter sort of thing. And we would just keep butting our heads together for hours. Um, so yeah, just, yeah, it's, it's so fucking solid. Silent Line. And great soundtrack. Great soundtrack. One of my favorite opening game themes of all time. All right. Damn. Nice, That's nice pick. I, I know nothing about this franchise other than that you like it a lot. Um. <laughs> well, that should be all you yes. need. Yeah. I, yes. It's like, I, I so know. I, I, I fully take your, uh, your, your wreck on that. I, I fully, I fully buy I know buy it. Good choice. Bits and bobs about earlier Armored Core. I can't remember when Silent Line, like, where that is. But, like, for me, my main jam was, like, Project Phantasma on PS1. Mm-hmm. That was the one I sunk the most hours into. But I, I, I was tangentially familiar since, like, a lot of my friends in high school were... were I, I think they went up... They, they kept playing all the way through, like, the 3 series or whatever. Because there was always, mm-hmm. like... You know, like Armored Core One, and then like two spinoffs of that, and then Armored Core Two, and then like whatever spinoffs of that, and so on and so on. Four. Yeah, Silent Line is part of the three series. Okay. Um, which yeah, like a lot of my favorites were from the two era, like two another age. Um, basically, that series of like three or four games in a row where you just kept bashing your face into Nine Ball Seraph over and over. Yeah. Um. But yes, yeah, yeah, Silent Line departed from that a little bit, but then just, yeah, you know, the, the whole thing about, like, the different mercenary companies all trying to, like, out-corpo bullshit each other while forgetting about the orbital death cannon. Like, can we team up and deal with that? You know, can we can no. we put aside the stocks for no. a minute? No. Instead, instead, we have to just focus on making our, 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 our 2D pixel art emblem of, of anime titties, because that's what my friends did. Well, naturally. Yeah, that's that's what you gotta do. You gotta represent anime titties on your mech. Oh my god. And you gotta use the Moonlight Blade, absolutely. Oh yeah, of course. Moonlight Blade there was fucking OP as shit in Project Phantasma, and I'm assuming it's kind of the same way in later entries. Oh my god. Well. Is that, is that all for Armored Core? Yeah, yeah, take us on number five. All right. Uh, so number five is my, surprisingly, my only horror entry. Mm-hmm. And I th- think it's the one that was James's seven. I think. That's I have Hill one two. on here that might also be on James's list, but we'll see. Okay. Mine is it's Silent Hill 2. It's not on my list. <gasps> I'm kidding. It's on my list. Okay. That's what I fucking thought. Yeah, that no, was your number it's, seven, yeah, right? That's my number seven. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, so um, I, to to kick us off, because I think I think you probably you probably like this game more than I do, but I put it higher on the list because uh, I am a sucker for a really solid ending, and I think Silent Hill Two has one of the most solid endings of all games of all time. So um, fun, I'm also a... fun fact about the ending, you know that ending mm-hmm. twist. Um, mm-hmm. When I first played the game when I was a kid, I hated it. Yeah. I, I, I actually... I can imagine. 
did not like Silent Hill 2 because of that mm-hmm. twist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not... Even though it's a fucking 20-year-old goddamn game, I, I don't even want to say what the fucking twist is, just because it's, <laughs> it's, it's that good. And uh, sure. if, if you want to play it, uh, don't play... Don't, don't don't play the HD version if you can help it. Uh, look look up online for Silent Hill Enhanced Edition. That that'll teach you how to play it on your PC, mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. it runs great. I, I went through it last year. Uh, but then that that similar to, I'm not gonna spoil it, but like similar to my number four, which was also a game I did not like when I first played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also also another entry on my list too. Uh, the more I, I the, the older I got and the more that I thought about it and and the more I matured and whatnot the, the more I grew to appreciate that twist uh and and it, it really how bold and brazen it was and, and how impactful and sad and 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 uncomfortable it was um and yeah that's the the ending is part of the reason why it's on my list as well yeah yeah I think I, I'm also a big sucker for like villain protagonists, mm-hmm. um, which you know I guess is it's a mild spoiler at this point. But um, you know I I I I like that, uh, or like almost like unreliable narrator style, and it just it, it's it's just so good. I think I think the game itself like it's been a, it's been a really long time since I actually played through it. Um, and I remember there was there was a lot of jank to it. It's a very old game, you know. Um, 20, and certainly, like, years, don't yeah. play the HD. Don't play the HD Kindle collection. By God, like, it's the worst possible way to experience that game. Um, but yeah, just the the ending alone, like, I was like, it deserves a spot just because uh, it, it it did something so bold that really like games games don't usually do that kind of thing, yeah. right? And it's it's just like. It it feels it very much was like one of the first games where I was like, wow, this game is art, you know. Yeah. This is a, this is a narrative that that you know is so much more impactful impactful because I've been playing as this man. Yeah. Instead of just like experiencing his story as a you know as a movie unfolding kind yeah. of thing. The 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 monster design and the symbolism oh, behind fantastic. the monster design is is outstanding. Yeah. yeah. The soundtrack is is wonderful. Uh, it, yes. it has probably my favorite track of the entire Silent Hill franchise, which is "Promise yep. Reprise." The, yep. the little Promise piano. Reprise is beautiful. Um, yes. and and like so much of that music, despite it being a horror game, is is surprisingly chill and relaxing. Um, very 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 ambient. Like you can kind of kick back yeah. and relax to it. Um. There's 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 a lot of weird shit to it. Like the performances are not conventionally good. Yes, yes. But it yeah. kind and of like, it works because of yes, their broken characters. Yeah, the the H the HD collection tried to replace them with with arguably better actors. Like I I would definitely say that the performances are like quote unquote better performances. Yeah. But they just they. It's they not clash the same. so much with how the game is supposed to be experienced that it's just like no, yeah, like they, he's they, supposed to be a just like random nobody kind of person, yeah, and like, the voice acting lends to that. If you just if you're hearing Troy Baker, you're like you're hearing Troy Baker. Yeah, like, you know? not, not, like not to shit on Troy Baker, he's a fine no, enough voice actor, even, even though he's my stalker. Um, <laughs> but like his Forever his voice, in your head, James, his. It's too professional of a voice for James it's too Sunderland. Professional, yeah. Because James yeah. Sunderland is a broken character. 
Mm-hmm. And and it's the same thing with the entire cast of, of Silent Hill 2 and even mm-hmm. other Silent Hill games where they are they're broken damaged people and they're not supposed Absolutely. to sound like super professional triple A gaming voice acting. Absolutely. And yep. it just doesn't mesh at all. But yeah, like if if you haven't played Silent Hill 2 and, and you want to Seriously, just Google Silent Hill 2 Enhanced Edition. The PC mm-hmm. version is Abandonware. You can mm-hmm. easily find it, and you can easily get the game running on modern PC hardware, and it's mm-hmm. out, outside of getting <clears throat> like an actual PlayStation 2 and playing it on your PlayStation 2, this mm-hmm. is probably the best way to play it. Like, go for it. And they're, and they're still updating the Enhanced Edition to make it run smoother and look better and, and whatnot, because there's some technical hiccups, because the PC version was a notoriously shitty port. Because that was mm-hmm. back in the era where <laughs> if it was a console exclusive and it got ported to PC, especially by a Japanese developer, it was a dumpster fire of a port. Uh, but the because of the fans, uh, Silent Hill 2 Enhanced Edition is what we should have gotten for a Silent Hill HD collection. Yeah, go play yep. it. Yep. And and yeah. uh great choice. Just just be great ready choice. to just be ready to curl up in a ball and go to sleep forever afterwards. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, James, now you're number 5. Uh my number 5 is the 100% de facto best 3D platformer of all time, Banjo-Kazooie. I will not hear oh. any arguments Bubsy. about this. But <laughs> we'll talk about Bubsy. Uh, Kingsley's adventure. <laughs> it 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 basically uses a lot of the same framework that Super Mario sixty four used, uh, since you know Rare was very close knit to Nintendo back in the period. Um, but I I really dig the levels and 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 the the attempts the the the, the cheeky British humor. Um, something about it really really completely clicked with me, especially with the whole collectathon element to it. Uh, I even have distinct memories of booting up my N64 copy as a kid and just kind of wandering around the levels, playing, like, almost make-believe, like, my own, like, little story in my head, even though that's not how the game is supposed to be played, just because I was some fucking weird, stupid-ass kid who just wanted an excuse to play more Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's just a charming, fun 3D platformer. Uh, I, nice. I adore it. Hell yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't had too much exposure with that series, but you've always spoken really highly of it. It's it's mm-hmm. the first game in particular. I, I've never finished the Banjo-Tooie, so like, I, it, I can't really comment too much about it. Um, mm-hmm. Nuts and Bolts is... Nuts and Bolts is a fine game. It just shouldn't have been called Banjo-Kazooie. That's, that's mm-hmm. its biggest problem, because it's, mm-hmm. it's not really a 3D platformer. It's a you-build-vehicles-and-explore-world game. Uh, and it's not what anybody wanted for a years later sequel for Banjo. Uh, mm-hmm. But no, it's it's a really solid, cheeky, fun little game. Uh, bit of a hiccup maybe for some people at the end where the final boss is, is a little hard unless you kind of go out of your way to get like the in-game super armor. And also right before the final boss, they make you th- go through this sort of a board game, mini game collection sort of thing. Uh, and in, involving answering trivia questions for from shit that you experienced in the game. So, you know, if you weren't necessarily paying attention, that can kind of fuck you over in the long run. But mm. it's 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 very charming. It's very fun. Uh, Kazooie's a piece of shit, and I love her for it. 
Man, Banjo's <laughs> a wholesome little bear. That's great. All right. Got some got some love for the for the old platforming generation. Yeah. Hell yeah. Got got to do it. Mhm. Okay. So number 4, we're getting down to it. Yeah. Um I have already gushed quite a quite a bit about this one on a previous episode of the podcast. Hmm. A Cyberpunk 2077. There you go. There you go. The number 4 slot. Yeah. Um yeah, I you know I will I will direct everyone's attention to the best of uh, best of twenty twenty one episode to hear me mm-hmm. rant endlessly about my love for this game. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly the most powerful narrative I've I've encountered in a game. Um, the storyline to this to this game is absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, lulls, bugs, whatever. Get you know get all that shit out of your system. <laughs> With the release of the one point five patch for this game. It is now in the state that I feel like it should have been released at. Gotcha. This is yeah. this is now the level where I think people can put aside their reservations and jump into it and not be disappointed. Um, you know, still you're still going to run into some issues. It's you know, it's it's flawed. It's a flawed game. But what it what it stumbles on in some of those gameplay and stability elements it makes up for with the world that you're immersing yourself in for the strong narrative that's guiding you along um i absolutely lost myself in this game for basically all of the uh uh, covid quarantine like this was where i chose to live i said wow real life sucks la blows i'm gonna go live in fake la and uh, that made it so much more bearable. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's got uh, it's got one of my favorite characters in a long time, Johnny Silverhand, who uh, of course played by Keanu Reeves. Um, it's it's at the point now after that one point five patch that I think people can put aside their their preconcocted notions about what the game is and was, and give it a fair shake. Um, Yes, it was overhyped, and that was the fault of uh, the overly ambitious CD Projekt Red, yeah. uh, not knowing how to uh, taper their expectations, and they promised way too much and couldn't deliver. But um, what they what they did deliver was, to me, absolutely memorable, and it's going to be one of my favorite games for a long time to come. I sunk four hundred plus hours into this thing. It's it's fucking wonderful. Nice. That's so, yeah, great. So That's I'm fantastic. Yeah. 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 I I I can't I can't say I'm not surprised, but uh, you know, like I, I know how much you adore that game. So and I think at some point I will be playing it because I think somebody redeemed it on my um Ooh. my charity stream. So yeah, Very I'll good. definitely be hitting you up for tips. <laughs> I was I was really tempted to redeem that when I donated when I saw the little tagline was like, you know, yeah, if you donate this much to Ukraine, then I'll play Cyberpunk because Lee won't shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Which yeah, you know, I, I I probably still will at some point. Just Excellent. gotta gotta get all my other stuff out of the way first. Uh so my number four. Um, yeah, to absolutely no one's surprised the Sherlock Holmes franchise had to make an appearance somewhere yes! on the list. Yes! I am surprised! Yeah, um, so yeah, this is, this is one of my favorite, like, adventure game franchises of all times, like, right up there with Nancy Drew. 
Um, I think even even more so than Nancy Drew, uh, they've like every single game Frogwares has made in this franchise has improved upon the previous one. To the point where I've seen them go from just like a very janky like student unity project looking thing to like something actually compete like in some in some aspects of the game actually competing with like triple A in terms of like quality. Um and uh you know so it's it, it was very very tempting for me to pick their latest entry chapter 1 uh as my favorite because I do think it's like the best of the best at this point like they mm-hmm. they've just continuously been improving since they started and now it's just like oh my gosh I can't wait to see what they do next. Um but I decided to you know kind of like eschew recency bias and just sort of be like okay no 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 but like what what is your what is your favorite of all of them, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. I really like Chapter 1, but I don't know if it was necessarily my favorite. Um, so instead, I picked another recent one, um, and that is Sherlock Holmes' The Devil's Daughter. You're um, the devil's son! <laughs> yes. So, uh, specifically, I picked this one because, um, and this will be a running theme sort of with, like, the most most of the rest of my... Um, you know, most of the rest of my pick for top 10 and also a few of the previous ones that I'm a sucker for a good ending and I'm Mm -hmm. a sucker for good closure. Like this, this was one where this was actually a thing that was set up in previous games. So the, the, um, I, I don't know how much you guys care about spoilers. I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just say my spoilers for the game and for previous Sherlock Holmes games at this point. Mm -hmm. If you guys, if you guys want me to shut up about it, speak now, forever hold your peak. Peace. Okay. Um, so in a previous game, I believe it was the Testament of Sherlock Holmes, or possibly the one before that. Uh, you fight you your your arch nemesis Moriarty is the main big bad, and that is okay. revealed throughout the you know, like like as the story's going on, you're picking up the trail of this like horrible terrorist plot, and it turns out Moriarty's behind all of it. When you finally confront him at the end, uh, and kill him. Uh, you realize that he's been keeping a daughter on his like in his mansion this whole time. This is a girl you've never you you you've never even knew existed, but it's Moriarty. It's literally Moriarty's kid. Uh, and Holmes ends up adopting her. And then like two stories later, we kind of come back. This kid is a little bit more grown up now. She she was like five or six at the you know at the end of the at the end of Testament. And then Devil's Daughter picks up with her being like a teenager and sort of being like, turns out I'm the fucking daughter of a serial killer, you know, mm. and really kind of like coming, like grappling with that and and sort of, you know, fighting against you, her adoptive dad. Uh, Did Scream and... rip off Sherlock Holmes, the Devil's Daughter? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit. Um but yeah, it's it's just like it's a really really good story. It's really heartfelt. Um, it you know it again. They've been mastering that sort of like detective uh, deduction board type gameplay for like the whole time. And this was one of the this was one of the ones that really kind of like sol- like nailed it. Where it's like it, like that kind of like has solidified. Where chapter one didn't really improve on that formula so much because it it was already so good in the previous games. Um, and yeah, I just thought, I thought Devil's Daughter was just such a phenomenal entry and such a nice, like, bow at the end of 
sort of Moriarty's story and sort of like Sherlock and his daughter's story. And it was just, it was, it was really, really, really good. Um, so yeah, that's why, that's why I picked that one. But, uh, I will also just say in general, like support Frogwares cause they're amazing and they're based in Ukraine. And so a lot of the dev team has been going through a lot of shit right now. And, uh, yeah, the more, the more money we can throw their way, uh, because they're just amazing devs, the better. So yeah. My oh, number yeah. four. All right. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number four is a game that I did not like when I first played it, but over the years it has become my favorite entry in this particular franchise, and that is The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Mm. It is, in some respects, overshadowed by Ocarina of Time, uh, because Ocarina of Time was sort of the de facto oh my god, best game of all time on the N64 and, and even for some people today for any platform. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was very influential and, and very revolutionary for its time. Uh, but similar to like my second favorite of, of the, the Zelda franchise, which is Link's Awakening, what I like about Majora's Mask is because of the fact that it, it wasn't sort of the main title and it was sort of like the quickly put together uh sequel sort of thing uh it was allowed to be weird it was allowed to do something outside of ganondorf and saving princess zelda and it's dark and fatalistic and nihilistic with the whole three-day cycle and the, the the apocalypse is coming, like, a surface level, everything seems kind of bright and cheery, but, like, when you really kind of think about it, that Link is kind of trapped in this Groundhog's Day loop, living these three days over and over again where the world is going to end and nobody knows that the world is going to end, it's it's kind of really dark and fucked up and, and depressing. Uh, especially when you start diving into some of the mask side quests, like the... Um, uh, the lovers one where like it literally takes until like the last five minutes of <laughs> before the moon is going to crash into the planet before you're able to finish it off. And it's like you reunite this couple and they're fine with the fact that they're going to die in each other's arms. Uh, huh. It's, 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 it's gut wrenching of just like, y- you have this knowledge that ev- like the, the weight of the world is literally on your shoulders. This, this entire world is just, going to be gone in three days and you have to keep reliving it over and over and over again and nobody is aware of what you're doing and nobody is aware that how close they are to death and it's it's weird and it's fucked up and it's interesting and unique uh i remember one of the reasons why i didn't like it as a kid was i got really irrationally fixated on the fact that they changed the lip color of the gorons it's it's brown in Ocarina of Time, and then in Majora's Mask, it's, like, red or pink. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. They're rock people. Why would they have red or pink lips? This is dumb. Uh, Hashtag not my Goron. Yeah, not my Goron. Oh my but, God, like, um, the other thing was, like, I felt it was shorter as a kid. Like, as if longer makes better, because I, I just happened to plow through it faster uh, than, than Ocarina of Time. But, like... 
and, and it does have some frustrating elements, especially because you can't save the game until you, like, reset time. Uh, and that can be frustrating for some people. Mm -hmm. But I like how weird and experimental it is. Same thing with Link's Awakening, where it's just allowed to be different. And it, it doesn't have to try to do this, the typical tropes of... Link has to rescue Zelda and stop Ganondorf mm -hmm. and 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 yeah, etc. 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 And it this... wasn't afraid to break the cycle. Yeah, yeah. And this game also, cool. this game also in particular is has a very strong emphasis on like the NPCs of the world, since there's a shit ton of side quests in regards to collecting the masks, and you get to know the various NPCs and and their quirks, and everybody has their own schedules and and everything like that, and and their own sub stories and. It feels like a much more lived-in world, like with an incentive mm -hmm. to talk to people as opposed to just... Uh, just quest-getting? Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. And and a lot of it can be pretty sad, like, especially mm -hmm. when the, the fact that the, the main masks that you get are basically the, the spirits of deceased characters in that world, and you're, yeah. like, inhabiting their bodies, and there's even... Well, that's... There's even that running theory. That I, I I don't know how much credence it is. Nintendo will, of course, never acknowledge it. But, like, it's so dark and fucked up that the, the game is... The, the, there's the running theory that Link is dead the entire time you're playing the game. And that oh, it's... Damn. it's The yeah. whole thing is just modeled after the stages of grief and, and, and acceptance mm. and whatnot. Of just Link <laughs> accepting the fact that he is dead. Especially That's since... One one of the cool. one of the big things puzzle pieces is is like this. You use this song to make statues of the various different characters that of masks that you're wearing, and one of them is Link, and he's the only quote unquote living one, while the rest are dead. It's mm -hmm. it's it's interesting. I'm I'm not saying the theory is accurate or not, but it's it's interesting to deep dive into. It's yeah, also that's... the earliest, uh, sorry, it's also the earliest example of a game I can think of that had you on a strict time limit to beat it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I I was just going to say that, like, uh, this is actually a really resounding recommendation for me personally, because one of the things that I really like about the worlds of games like Breath of the Wild and Death Stranding and Elden Ring to, a, to an extent um, is that they're these kind of, like, dying or post-apocalyptic worlds that don't feel like, you know, like the, the sort of like fallout style of like, oh yeah, everybody's just like, keep it on, keep it on. It's just like, there's an element of grief to it yeah. with mm -hmm. some moments of like hope shining through that just really, I don't know, really gels with me. I, I like, I, that's one of the things I really liked about Breath of the Wild was it felt like everyone in the game was sort of in mourning for, you know, yeah. the, the fact that the fact that they lost the war, essentially that evil prevailed and that the world was doomed essentially. Yeah. Um, and you know, same thing with death stranding, same thing with Elden ring to a degree. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it feels very much like a world in mourning that, that has some elements of, of oh, yeah. cheerfulness like... as you progress. So oh. hearing that about, Majora's Mask is like, oh, I should play Majora's Mask. <laughs> you you should. Like, a lot of the characters are doing their best to try to ignore or pretend that the world is not ending, even though it's very clear that the moon is getting closer and closer and closer, like, the entire time. And then by, like, the, the third day, a fair amount of them have, like, accepted it, or they're cowering in fear, or they're they're refusing to do it, like, accept it, or or 
some of them are like still insisting on doing their normal jobs because like no i can't i can't quit my job and be, because the world is going to end and i i get to see my loved ones my job needs to get done sort of thing and it's like but then you have to reset back to day one and relive these three days over and over and over again and you just see this shit happen throughout the entire game constantly and it just it's it's bleak and it's fucked up but damn like yeah it's 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 a neat little weird fucked up little game cool very cool. i'm with that yeah all right top three top three Okay. Let's go. Honey Pop one Cam Studio two. <laughs> so Damn it, James. The, spoiler alert, all right? <laughs> to the surprise of no one, I have a Kingdom Hearts game on the list. Oh boy. Boo! But what is surprising is it's in the number three slot. Um Okay. And yeah, it, uh, to me the undisputed champion of the franchise Kingdom Hearts 2. Um Okay, where do I start unloading all my fucking Kingdom Hearts baggage? Um, a lot of this goes back. Let me lay back in the therapist chair, and I think it all started with my mother. And you know, um, Kingdom Hearts is one of those games that I found like at the the appropriate time in my life, where mm-hmm. um, you know, I was starting to get into the you know the more uh, Japanese influence RPGs and getting into Final Fantasy. And this was a great game for like crossing that stream over into the Western audience. Um, and Disney is something super accessible with a lot of um with a lot of aspects that play into a narrative like they were creating before it went off the rails batshit crazy. And so I got super in deep to Kingdom Hearts one and the whole like spirit of adventure about it, the the great characters the the theme of young love and believing in yourself and all that great shit mm-hmm. and then the sequel it took it took the parts about the first one that were a little subpar like the um like the combat system needed work um some of the uh some of the like side content like the gummy ship for a great example um just things that needed tightening up and Kingdom Hearts 2 took all of those aspects, cranked them up to 11, made one of the best third-person fighting styles I've, I've ever experienced. The combat in Kingdom Hearts 2 is still way fucking fluid. Um, I just played through the entire thing on my stream like six months ago um, and found it was still just as good as, as the nostalgia, uh, nostalgia goggles were making me feel it was. Um, outstanding cast of characters organization 13 is one of the best like crews of all time um each one is a particular brand of shitbag with their own unique shitbag ability um but there's something to be said just for the enduring no pun intended heart of this franchise there's a lot of ups and downs and i think there's unfortunately a few more downs than ups um I, I haven't even been able to finish Kingdom Hearts 3. It's my favorite franchise, and I don't feel pulled to keep going um, just because some of those some of those narrative decisions have really impacted the overall strength of the franchise to me. But that back-to-back banger of, of 1 and 2 is is 
so important to my time growing up and developing who I was as as a weeb. Um, <laughs> and then going Perfect. back to and then going back and playing it again six months ago was like that reminder of yeah this this really was that good and that and this really did mean as much to you as you felt it did. You know, there's, you know, I, for, for those of you who don't, you know, know me or watch my streams or anything and just hear my voice, I'm Mr. Fucking Metalhead guy. You know, I'm the denim and leather jackets and, you know, most of my life I've had the long hair and scowling and, and then I'll hear Dearly Beloved and just start to weep like a child. <laughs> there's a lot about this franchise that just resonates very deeply with me and... Oh. Kingdom Hearts 2 has to be in the top three. Nice. Well, you know, Lee, awesome. when when you walk Good away, choice. you won't hear me say, please, oh baby, kiss on me, Oni-chan. Baba-booey, baba-booey, Oh my god. You, you dorks. All right. <laughs> my number three. A bit of a cheat. Oh. But technically, this is one game. It's been released as one game. <laughs> okay. Um, my number three is the Phoenix Wright trilogy. Because you cheated, your list is invalidated. <laughs> no, it's not. It's one game on the show. We're rejecting it one from speedrun.com. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I genuinely could not pick a single game out of this trilogy because I think they all just like flow into one another the first time i experienced them was as in one solid fucking block where just will and i would just play these games together um yeah it's kind of it's weird that this made my list because it was not it was not one of the first like detective-y kind of games that i experienced um but like there's something about like you know the experience of playing these games that really does like make it you know like i mean i there's a lot of games I haven't played yet that I think would might rank higher. Like I, Disco Elysium's one that's been recommended to me a lot, mm, but mm-hmm. but um, the Phoenix Wright games are kind of like I played them in college, um, and I just absolutely adored them from like like for every aspect of them, right? Like it's just like the 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 gameplay that itself is really fun. It's it's like a nice little puzzle. Um, it's a lot of like deduction type stuff, some social, some just like from evidence. Sometimes it's a little bit asinine where you're like trying to piece together clues and like either you're a little bit ahead of the game because like you figured out like, oh, I need to do this to prove that this guy's the murderer. But like the game isn't there yet. So you need to like do all the steps in between what you the conclusion you've already come to. Or it asks you to make, like, a really absurd leap in logic that's just like, why would I, why would I ever think of this? Like, why would this be the thing that I, you know, put two and two together? You're asking me to connect, like, A to, to you know, 19 for some reason instead of A to Z. <laughs> um, but I think that it has a lot of intrigue, a lot of really good mystery, a lot of heart, a lot of humor... Uh, fucking absolute shout out to the localization team for these games because, like, you know, playing with Will, Will obviously originally played these games in Japanese. Um, and a lot of the fun that I had playing them with him was that he would, you know, we'd come to a part where there was a joke 
right? Like a lot of the joke, or, or, there are a lot of puns with character names or like little little inside jokes about certain things. Uh, and he would always like stop and be like, oh man, that's so interesting that they translated it that way because in Japanese, like it's this other name, right? And I was like, oh, they're doing it this way because, you know, in English, in America, this is like, this is what we construe this as. So it was this nice kind of like cultural coming together of like him and I could both be like, oh, this is a funny joke in English and Japanese because the Loke team is so fucking good, right? Like, and I just, it's just really solid. And, uh, you know, rightly so, they've been, they've been remastered and ported to, you know, that you can play them on PC. The whole trilogy is one game on Steam. So you can just like knock the go. whole thing out. Um, and yeah, they're they're fantastic games. They're they're very they're very very fun. I think they're like one of the ultimate like kind of like detective game experiences where like you have equal parts actually like going out into the field and like gathering clues and evidence and like interviewing people and then, you know, equal parts courtroom drama that you just get to play out and like, you know, present the evidence at the opportune times and oh, it's just it's so good. It's so great. Yeah, and and shout out to one of the one of the best character theme songs of all time, "The Fragrance of Dark Coffee." Oh yeah, well that's not. I don't think that's the original trilogy. No, oh damn. No, I, that's I, uh, that's Godot, right? Yeah, that's Godot. Godot is Godot is. Is he later in the uh, franchise? Apollo Justice, I think. Ah, mm. uh, okay. Yeah. I I really yeah. thought you were gonna pick the one uh with uh, Lolly Watson. <laughs> No, I I do like those games, but they have um I, I do like the Greatest Attorney Chronicles. I think they have pacing issues more so than the original trilogy. And uh and also yeah, I think the the um Lolly Watson thing is weird. You get over it because like she's <laughs> you yeah. love Lolly Watson. Yeah, I mean she she is a great character by the end, but like it takes a while to get there, and at first you're just like, this is fucking weird, why is this happening? And then you slowly realize, like, oh, he's, like, he's actually, like, basically her dad, except that he's a parent, like, he's, like, so immature that it's just, like, almost, like, the opposite relationship, where, mm. like, she's more mature than he is, even though she's ten years old. Um, yeah, I won't make excuses. It's fucking weird, and but it does get good at the end. Like, there's okay. a really sweet moment at the end that makes it, that makes makes up for a lot of the weirdness. But yeah, I, I did I did not pick that one just because I think the first three are way more solid and like they're so interconnected because like the DL DL six I think is the case is the big it's it's like this big case that happened before any before Phoenix Wright was a lawyer before any of like the current like day stuff but it like permeates the entire fran like the entire series in the first three like basically like DL six is like the fucking case that everything comes back to. And so it's so cool and interconnected and you like this, this overarching plot is just so fascinating and like, Oh, you really sink your teeth into it. And you're just like, yes, give me more. I want to learn more about what happened back then and who these people are and Oh, a secret twist. And yeah, it's, it's great. Oh yeah. Great franchise. Good That's call. my number three. <laughs> so my number three, uh, is, the most recent release on my list and that's from 2009 to give you an idea on how oh my god damn like, yeah Holy like, shit. that's the most recent release uh it has a lot in common with majora's mask and silent hill 2 in the sense that i did not like this game when i first played it but it also has a 
uh, commonality with, with Kingsfield and Drakengard in the sense that I did not fully completely go through this game when it first came out. I gave up on it pretty quick, and I only went through it recently in the last five years or so, and that is the original Demon Souls. Yeah. <clears throat> that uh, yeah. is probably my favorite from from software game. There's there's no real nostalgia bias from it because, and I I I, I hated it when I first played it. Uh, I don't want to go into too much detail. I kind of went into that with the the podcast on Elden Ring. Um, it's definitely their jankiest since like they were discovering this formula and and creating this this sort of genre at the time. Uh, <clears throat> but there's something about the atmosphere, especially with like stuff like the Tower of Latria, that the rest of their, the, the, their subsequent games didn't quite recapture. Even, even the remake of Demon Souls loses a fair bit of, of, of the atmosphere that uh, the PS3 version had. Um, the story is, is a bit more clear cut and easier to follow than, than a lot of the subsequent Dark Souls games and, and Bloodborne and Elden Ring. Uh, it, it still has its vagueness and it still has its, you know, the, the FromSoft charms of, of piecing things together through like item descriptions and, and whatnot, but mm -hmm. it's definitely a lot more easier to follow, a lot more clear cut. Um, it's very... Fatalistic and nihilistic and, and morally gray in a lot of in instances. Like one cool. of the uh one of my favorite things in, involves the 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 greater fiend uh god lady maiden Astraya. Uh she is the 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 final boss of the Valley of Defilement. And her whole thing is is she was this like sort of uh whole like super religious uh, uh, maiden and like like this basically like almost like a saint right and she she traveled to the valley of defilement on a pilgrimage and the valley of defilement is basically this forsaken valley that the the world and the kingdom kind of throw the the abandoned into and, and their garbage and it's 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 where it's where dead dead bodies are thrown dead babies are thrown etc and and she goes there and she just sees how awful it is there and it breaks her heart and it causes her to like question her entire faith of just like how can my god exist or or be pure uh if these people are suffering so mm -hmm. and she becomes a demon in order to help them and cure them and cleanse them. So she's doing heinously evil shit of just murdering countless innocent civilians to appease the, the great old one and collect souls for him so she can heal these people who've been abandoned and, and just forgotten about for, for, for God knows how long. And it, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting like little bit of a moral dilemma of of just like you have to kill her even though she's saving all these people because she's doing all this other evil vile shit and you need to do it otherwise the world's gonna end but 
she's helping all these other innocent, like these people who just were forgotten and abandoned and thrown in there. Um, and and more particularly too, like the whole sub story with with uh, Princess Strava, it's really hard as well. Where he's uh, he's the he's the son of King Alant. <coughs> King Alant is of course the the one of the major antagonists of the game since he is the one responsible for summoning and awakening the great old one uh in order for his kingdom to prosper and he's he was out of town basically when all this this chaos and shit went down and and astrava has come back to to the kingdom because he's heard the rumors about his father uh being responsible for this demon scourge and he does not want to believe it and the he's he's a coward and he's completely inept and he is not fit to survive this harsh hellscape but he braves it anyway because he does not want to believe that his father's responsible and the ending of his quest is so fucking heartbreaking like it, it just it just hits really really hard um games janky and the later FromSoft games are far more polished but i don't know just something about demon souls makes it stand out in comparison to the rest of their 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 later games and it first gave us patches and it gave us patches that that delightfully wonderful piece of shit Uh, that little rap patches is the best listen you appreciate patches cat except for in bloodborne do i Follow the rainbow path. Oh, I'm not. Oh I'm, I'm not saying you do. I'm saying you have to. You better appreciate him. <laughs> Except for in Bloodborne when he's a spider. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, spider patches. Well, okay. Yeah, number two. Number two. Um, I, I think that everybody who, everybody who gets serious about gaming and video games and the culture in general who like it when it transcends that just like being a hobby to being something else everyone reaches that point where they realize that video games have the ability to be high art you played gex didn't you absolutely um you know whether it's you know whether it's visual storytelling or the way music is interwoven into something Everybody has that first time they play a game and just take a step back and go, this is something massive. And to me, that was Shadow of the Colossus. Damn. Shadow of the Colossus is the first time that I looked at a video game and went, this is, this has the ability to be so much more than like what I thought was capable because up until the point I played that, you know, it was a lot of, you know, a lot of really fun shit, fighting games and all kinds of stuff I still love to this day. But it was like that first time that you experience, like, you know, there's there's a grander type of storytelling that can be done. And a cinematic level of atmosphere that can be achieved. And with a very minimal amount of, like, get the ball rolling exposition, like Shadow of the Colossus just throws you into the shit yeah it does just goes here's a world you're a dude and you got a horse and this chick is sleeping and you have to you have to wake her up by you know by facing these these 16 
ancient entities. And just that that slow burning almost like resentment you start to build within yourself every time you do it. Because every time you kill one of the Colossi, you're realizing that like the land around you is starting to become less vibrant. The music is starting to shift in subtle ways to convey that something of pure natural beauty has been killed. You start to feel awful every time you kill one of these things. And it's just it's just such a profound piece of of storytelling that I'm glad I got to experience when I was, you know, when it when it came out when I was young. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to play the um, the remastered version of it that came out recently. I heard it's I heard it's actually pretty good. Yeah, it it looks pretty good. It's it's very good. Uh, It. At least for me, as as just a stickler for like art style, um, elements of like the original atmosphere feel a bit off because of mm. it's it's kind of a thing of just Blue Point does does amazing jobs remaking shit, but mm-hmm. like something about like them taking something and translating it into next gen, it just it loses a bit. Sure, it, it's I- very hard. But it's a, it's still in, a damn good fucking game. Yeah, I think core. I think though in general it's it's not it's not the HD collection, right? Well, the, well, Blue Point also did the HD collection, and the HD collection is fucking fantastic. It's that's just a no, straight up. No, no, the Silent Hill HD collection. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they, yeah. they uh, it's, it's not it's, the HD it's, collection. No, Blue, Blue Point. Blue Point was, has never done. I was gonna say a, like, whoa, what the fuck just happened yeah, here? Yeah, like, no. <laughs> Well, well, that's the thing. That's the thing, Kat, is because Bluepoint has remastered it and then they remade it. So it's like mm-hmm. they had the Ico Shadow of the Colossus collection and then then this new sure, remake. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, yes, no, but I, I'm saying I'm saying it's a it's an actually competent. Oh yeah. remake. Yeah, that's as opposed to yeah. It, it's not but, like but Silent Hill yeah, HD I mean, or, or you, Warcraft. You probably 3. will lose. You probably will lose a thing or two just because by the very nature of yeah, that's. Yeah, how, it's how how stuff happens. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's kind of like with me with Demon Souls, Demon Souls PS5. Like, it, you lost a bit, but it's still a, at its core, it's still a damn good game. And I, I'm sure mm-hmm. you'd like the PS4 Shadow of the Colossus if you ever went through it. Yeah, it, there there's just something very very unique when it's your first game of that type too, because a whole lot like this wasn't done back in the day. No, where wasn't. like you know. He, Here's the game. It's 16 boss fights and that's it. And you you get a whole, you know, a whole world to explore that isn't filled with mobs or puzzles. Or just, it's journeying to the next boss and having that kind of like encroaching dread each time. Yeah. And not because of, oh, like, what cool thing is this going to be? Which there is. There's that cool element of discovery of like, oh, this one flies. Or this one, oh, this one's in a water arena. That's cool. The dread is in, I don't want to have that feeling of plunging the sword into its seal and watching the last of its life bar go away. Because every time it happens, it cuts to a widescreen cutscene of the poor thing crumbling on itself, like with a big audio swell. Yep. Just like, and then like how Dark Souls or Elden Ring will flash like the you know prey defeated thing. Mm-hmm. They should flash 
like flash some text that says like are you happy now <laughs> like you fucking monster serenity shattered yeah yeah basically um, oh my god for yeah that shadow of the colossus thing. fuck that thing mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah of yeah of, of all the best boys he is the weakest and then mm-hmm. yeah last last note about it is uh just the other day on reddit uh reddit was getting into a fine argument because someone posted someone posted um hey like i know recency bias is a thing but like i don't know just with the way that way he controls and everything is is torrent the best horse we've had in gaming so far no nope. and everyone like q gary oldman everyone came out of hiding and said somebody didn't play shadow of the colossus because <laughs> you're sleeping on agro my boy mm-hmm. agro is great agro is great but yeah I, I, I gotta go with Epona for best course. Oh, that's a good one. Epona, yeah. Epona's too... Epona has yep. is, is such a stubborn personality that, that mm-hmm. I love her. Specifically I, Ocarina Majora Epona. Twilight Epona's like whatever, I don't care. I, I loved the Red Dead 2 horses. Even though I think a lot of that game it has super jank controls. By the time yeah. you get your first horse and you're, you're, you're like used to the jank, uh, it control like a dream well and i don't know if you want to talk about jank horses not to spoil your witcher 3 playthrough oh god no <laughs> oh boy if if a horse could t-pose it would be roach the bugs with roach are pretty Absolutely. great roach showing up on the top of the barn is like one of my favorite that's that's a great example of of a bug that got embraced like yep. as a meme like yep. roach showing up on the barn CD Projekt Red made that the official art of Roach in Gwent. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, on top yep. of the bar. I, I remember yeah. also CD Projekt Red for an April Fool's Day joke. They did a dev diary of uh, of of Roach, and it was just all the bugs that you could do with Roach. <laughs> Fuck yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's wonderful. I mean, I mean, you know, you, you, want, you want to talk horses breaking the game. Skyrim also on the list. <laughs> Oh jeez. Those those things those things defy every law known to man and some unknown to man. I I love that this is there's so many options. This could be a podcast topic. Like, hey, welcome to Gooncast. We're talking about top ten best gaming horses. <laughs> well, we'd definitely need <laughs> Caroline on. Oh yes, Car- yeah, Caroline will be the guest the guest to the guest goon for that. And it's just like sure. all of you are wrong. It's this horse because of this reason. Yep. yep. <laughs> No, shut Absolute, up. It's this horse. I don't fucking care. It's like, yeah, but opponent in Ocarina, I don't play trash games. All right, Caroline, come on. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, number two for me is Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, good speaking pick, good of, pick. Speaking of good boy horses, perfect seg to my number two. All right. Um. So, this was actually, uh, this is also a very difficult, well, okay, no. This particular spot was not difficult because I knew this this game would probably take this spot. However, um, Caroline had actually mentioned, messaged me after looking through my list, and she was like, I'm so surprised that one of these other games wasn't on your list. Because, like, you fucking love these games. Like, you, you talk about them all the time. And I was like, I know, I do. But, like, I really didn't want the list to be so dominated with this one particular studio. And I think that the game that ended up at my number two just kind of, like, fixes all of the problems like i i don't i don't have that many gripes with the other games they made but the gripes i did have my number two like resolved all of those and then some Mm -hmm. um 
So my number two is Ghost of Tsushima. Ooh. Um, so okay. yeah, I, I think I think I might win for most recent game, maybe. Because that was 2020. Yeah. I had Elden Ring, but... Oh, you did have Elden Ring. Never mind. Yeah, you nerd. <laughs> loser. <Never mind>. Um, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about that, the number 10. Um, but uh, yeah, Ghost of Tsushima, I think, just hit it out of the park in almost every single aspect. The open world was beautiful, simple, elegant, a joy to explore. Uh, you know, it, it, it felt like everything, you know, like it was, it was, it was small. It didn't feel super overwhelming to the point where like people I know who don't like open worlds were telling me like, yeah, I actually really liked exploring Ghost of Tsushima because it felt like as I was exploring, it wasn't like I was, you know, like, doing a radio tower in a Ubisoft game and finding, like, 800 fucking side missions under a rock and just being like, oh, fuck, here we go again, you know? It was you just like... like collecting garbage, though? <laughs> no, you know, that's that's the thing. It's just like, yeah, you just you just run around this world. You've got, you know, a wonderful little horse companion you go around with, and you're, you know, you're just... The, the combat flow is so good... There's, you know, not the not the extensiveness of Elden Ring by any means, but you know, you have you have there's there's stealth aspects. There's, you know, you know, just straight up, uh, you know, dueling. There's, you know, the like there's a bunch of different stances you can use that do different. Th there's just the, the combat is so rich and fluid, and I liked it so much that like after my first playthrough where I played through on on moderate because I was just like, oh, you know, there's no difficulty trophy. I'm not going to challenge myself. I was like. Fuck, I want to challenge myself. I loved the combat so much, I played it again on the hardest difficulty just because I wanted to. Um, and yeah, the 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 one-on-one -on -one duels, the like boss fights are just mm -hmm. fucking fantastic. The story is amazing. I I cried no less than 3 times through the story. There there's so many moments that I just adored. And I think they really nailed something that Sucker Punch has been going for the entire time, which is the like moral choice system i know i watched yahtzee's review on it he hated that the game came down to a moral choice at the end but here's the thing the moral choice at the end of ghost of tsushima it has nothing to do with how you've played the game previously like you like unlike infamous where basically like if you've been being evil and killing civilians you're basically locked into the evil ending um versus like if you've been being good you're basically locked into the good ending and if you've been playing in the middle you can pick either one, but neither of them really fit your character very well. You know, mm -hmm. like, it's like the good ending is way too goody two-shoes, and the evil ending is just, like, way too cartoonish, mustache-twirling evil. The way Ghost of Tsushima handled their morality, where it was all these shades of gray, where there really was no, like, purely right or purely wrong. Each person had their reasoning behind, you know, their own personal lines in the sand. And where you took... The main character just purely depended on your style. And at the very end of the game, that final moral choice that they give you, I have heard from so many people arguments for both, both things. And it's purely down to how you played and interpreted the game. So I, I literally think they just absolutely nailed the moral choice like mm -hmm. system that they've been kind of like, you know, experimenting with for the course of you know since infamous one right i think i think ghost just 
perfectly encapsulated it, and I won't I won't spoil the ending. Um, but yeah, I feel yeah. like I do want to play this one at some point. Yes, and uh, you a hundred percent should. I think I think you would love it. It's it's fairly short. It's like not it's not an incredibly long um experience considering it's open world. It's just like you know it's it was it it's clearly somewhat low budget, but like it's also tech wise, it's so fucking impressive because there are there's virtually no loading when you like when you fast travel you can fast travel across the entire fucking island and there's no loading and uh i ended up talking to um i had i got into the beta for the uh um for the multiplayer mm-hmm. uh and specifically it was like a closed sony beta and i was i ended up partnered up with somebody from uh sony santa monica like a, a programmer that i used to work with um, and I was just like, oh, my God, like, you know, cool. We caught up a little bit. And then we started just gushing about Ghost because both of us were just like so impressed. And I ended up asking him because I'm like, you know, I'm not a programmer. I don't understand ex- an ex- to an extreme amount the intricacies of those systems. But like, is it impressive? The like, you know, the, the sheer lack of loading screens and all that stuff in Ghost. And he's like, oh, my God, yes. And just like proceeded to gush endlessly about how like. You know, they were sitting around the water cooler after Ghost came out and trying to be like, figure out like, how the fuck did they do this? Like, how did they get this so streamlined? And just like, oh, it's like, it's it's the tops. So, yeah, I I highly recommend it. I actually I've been meaning to go back and play it again on stream because I want to play the DLC because I haven't yet. Um, but I've just been waiting for like getting time to actually stream it, and I probably want to actually just like replay the entire game just to you know experience it all over again because i just love it um but yeah ghost and is fantastic it, I, I haven't looked too much into it but as far as like the uh the overworld and the mm-hmm. and all that it, it did it kind of do the elden ring thing first of like you don't get objectives there's things in the environment that are showing you which way to go of like something about the way the wind blows oh. Yeah, well, okay, so yes and no. Like, the, it, it does have much more of a, like, like a structure of... It, it has more structure than Elden Ring in terms of, like, actually ch- telling you what to do next. Mm-hmm. But if you, like, like so they have, they have you know, like, mission tracking and stuff. Um, but if you track a mission, it doesn't do the, like, Ubisoft thing of, like, it just pops a, you know, pops a marker down on your map, and then you just have to, like, go there with, like, the, the HUD. Instead... Mm-hmm like it's you know it's basically like there's there's not really a whole lot of like ui elements showing you but when you swipe up on the touchpad the wind will blow and it'll show you the direction to head okay nice oh, that's cool it's it's very nice it's very cool yeah and uh yeah there's just there's like yeah there's 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 a lot of like armor sets you can get that give you different perks different boosts i was i remember i was really big into on my second playthrough i was big into duels because uh, dueling is super fun. Uh, I think I think my only criticism for the game is that the AI is not great. Hmm. Um, okay. The which is also a criticism I had for Elden Ring, and I loved Elden Ring too. So you know, it was just it was just kind of like they had stealth elements, but the AI was like so stupid when it came to stealth that the stealth just felt too easy. So I was mm-hmm. just like, I'm not gonna do, you know, like I'll stealth if I'm like really struggling with an area, but like otherwise I'm just like, ah, oh, no, I'd I'd rather do it this way. Also. There are some moments, I think, where, you know, narratively, the game will kind of, like, lock you into a play style. Like, there's some there's some missions that will fail if you break stealth, which I thought was a little bit of a, um, 
like a point not in its favor because it's kind mm-hmm. of like oh well you know so so much of the game has given me the freedom to pick whatever style of of whatever play style i want and then you're just locking me into stealth because you want this to be a stealth mission like eh, all right that i get it but you know a little disappointing so those are my gripes those are my only gripes though otherwise it's number two on my best of all time list Fuck yeah <laughs> yeah jam um my number two is the best video game remake of all time and the best survival horror game of all time it's it's the resident evil gamekeep remake it's uh oh i thought this would be your number one nope. oh shit uh oh, shit. it's atmosphere is is fantastic it it takes uh the the basic concept of resident evil one and classes it up makes it a far more classy experience i mean yeah it's still cheesy and campy it's fucking resident evil what are you gonna fucking do but like Mm-hmm. It, like Resident Evil 1 has a lot of OG PS1 Resident Evil 1 it's it's color palette for lack of a better explanation is more giallo where it's like weird bright colors for like a lot of the mansion and whatnot it's it's interesting and it's weird mm. and it, it doesn't necessarily feel like particularly lived in like you'll see like yellow walls or red walls or purple walls or whatever it's it's kind of wild mm-hmm. and, and whatnot uh but Resident Evil 1 Remake, it, it feels like a spooky haunted house mansion. It is yeah. it is really intense gothic horror atmosphere. Um, voice acting is not great, but it's a step up from the, the camp cheese of, of Resident Evil 96. Uh, it, it, <laughs> it is a stunning looking game, even 20 years later, because it was a pre-rendered pre-rendered backgrounds with 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 uh 3d models so like yeah there's elements of it that show its age for sure but like the fact that this is a gamecube game and it looks as good as it does is kind of insane it's arguably not not, i don't think arguably it's 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 like the second to last major fixed camera angle pre-rendered background survival horror game from from like a triple a company uh and it 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 is a stunner and it if 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 you're okay with tank controls which i know is a barrier to entry for for a fair amount of people although the remaster it it has 3d movement for for if if that's more style um but yeah if you can get past the tank controls uh it's it it plays really really well uh it, it is sort of the the pinnacle of what <clears throat> Capcom had been kind of evolving the franchise into until they sort of soft rebooted the gameplay with Resident Evil 4. Um, so much so that like everybody was kind of wondering what Resident Evil 2 would have been like in that style uh, after Resident Evil 1 remake came out, just because it was universally kind of accepted that Resident Evil 2 was better than PS1 Resident Evil 1. So it was like, oh mm-hmm. my god, if... if Resident Evil 1 can be this fucking good. What could Resident Evil 2 be? And we never really got an answer to that because the Resident Evil 2 remake we did get is is much more conventional over the shoulder uh, as opposed to, you know, how, how it was back then. And I don't want to get into too much about, like, the cut content and, and, and truncated mm-hmm. stuff and whatnot, but just... Yeah, it's 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 pinnacle survival horror. Uh, it, it handles everything really well, and it has some... Some fun little unlockable extras, like invisible enemy mode, uh, and real survivor, where uh, 
one of the ideas with Resident Evil 1 on PS1 was that the you could store items in the item box, but none of the item boxes were linked. Uh, and they decided to scrap that because they wanted something more player-favoring, but as a bonus unlockable for the for the remake, they, they included that as an option, where you have to strategize about where you're leaving your items in what box, because it's going to stay there. Uh, and it's it's fun. And then there's also their one dangerous zombie mode where there is a zombie with a, a uh, flak jacket covered in grenades and you're not allowed to kill it because if you shoot it, it explodes and blows up the mansion. Uh, and it pops up in various different rooms. Um, and it has crimson heads, which is something that everybody God. wants to see in the franchise again, where it's like, you killed a zombie, but it's not didn't get decapitated and you didn't set it on fire so it is going to come back and it's going to be far more vicious and <laughs> aggressive and do a hell of a lot more damage and it keeps you on your toes uh and the the, the other neat thing too is uh it, it fucked with players who were familiar with the first game uh where certain certain scripted jump scares were were tweaked or altered so they keep you on your toes like the the famous hallway in resident evil one where if you go through it uh dogs burst through the window uh and and you know you gotta fend off some zombie dogs in this hallway and in the resident evil remake when you go through that hallway uh the window cracks but nothing comes through it and you're like oh what the fuck where, where are the dogs oh there's no dogs but then later on in the game when you go back through that hallway thinking that okay maybe they just cut this nope that's when the zombies break through or the zombie dogs break mm. through and it's like Love that's it. cute it's 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 it, it's a nice way to to fuck with veterans uh and it's it's a perfect fucking survival horror game in my opinion i am i'm a little disappointed you did not select uh kendo's cut yeah what the your hell? resident evil Damn. choice <laughs> but, but, but i respect your mods are excluded mods are their own thing resident evil 2 oh. Resident Evil 2 on PS1 slash PC is my second favorite Resident Evil game of all time. So, mm -hmm. by extension, Kendo's Cut would be my second favorite Resident Evil okay. game of all time. Okay, all right. I'll allow it. All right, number one. Down to it. Oh my god. All right, Lee. Go and beat. Start us off with Quick. your favorite game of all time. I, before we continue, though, because I forgot to mention this. This is, this is our one-year anniversary episode, yeah? And yeah. we specifically accidentally timed it where we are literally recording on the exact day that we recorded the first podcast. Yep. So yep. I just I just wanted to ha bring that up because happy I forgot anniversary, to mention. You yeah. Goons. Yeah. Happy anniversary, fuckers! One year. <laughs> yeah. One year, gooning it up. Of course, mm -hmm. y'all aren't getting this until like a week later. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. They'll get it when we goddamn tell you you get it. I'll get it when mm -hmm. Lee writes bars. Well, naturally, I'm always writing bars. <laughs> um, okay, so this one, okay, this, okay, so my number one, it's interesting because it was undoubtedly my favorite game for a long, long time. And every so often, I'll reinstall it and start playing it again just to see, like, you know, Damn, does it still hold up? Is it still as good as I remember? And then after, you know, playing it for hours, 
and realizing that nostalgia goggles, nostalgia goggles had nothing to do with it, that it is just that fucking great. You realize that's why it was the most enjoyed competitive sport in South Korea for so long. Starcraft is the oh. best game of all time. Wow. Damn. Starcraft is the shit. Um, specifically the with the expansion Brood War. Um, there has never been a more balanced real-time strategy game. Um, it, it, laid, it laid the foundation for what other RTSs try to mimic. Um, which, yes, ironically, StarCraft boosted a lot of their um, imagery and, and archetypes from other franchises. Um, there's a lot of influence from, from Warhammer. Um, but StarCraft carved out its own slice of history, basically. Because this, this game became so popular that stadiums were selling out to watch people go one-on-one in this game the amount of like mental acrobatics that would have to go on at the high tier of watching these players do their thing was astounding. Like if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, Google any professional Starcraft player, uh, YouTube it, uh, rather, there will be videos of like what their screens look like during games. And it's, it's mind bending what they're doing. But um, yeah, it, it 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 it's the most well balanced RTS ever made. Three factions, uh, the the Terrans, the Zerg, the Protoss, you know, who have all you know kind of maintained their cultural relevance after all these years. You know, Zergling Rush is you know a, a meme that's endured fucking forever. You must construct additional pylons, all that good shit. The plot lines that Blizzard has written have become very copy-paste, very, like, the way they've tried to progress the World of Warcraft storyline in the last, like, decade. They've drained their well, but back in the day, back in the early good years, StarCraft had one of the greatest video game storylines going. Um, James Rayner is, I think, my favorite video game protagonist of all time. Um, there's just so much to be said for a game that came out, Jesus Christ, how many years ago now? Getting close to 30 years? Damn. Where it's still the champion of its genre. Yeah. There is not a real-time strategy game that can compare with it on the level it went out at. Not even its own sequel. You know? StarCraft 2 tried. It tried very hard. Um, But yeah, and you know, like I said, every so often I reinstall it, jump back into that bad boy, and just see like, okay, do I still got it? And it's it's still just as fun as it was when I was a kid. I remember the first day I played it. My dad was still computer gaming at the time, and he picked me up from school one day and said like, oh, I downloaded this downloaded this demo last night you got to try this out and he let me hop on and play starcraft when i was like i don't know four or five and it was all over from there (laughs) but yeah it it, it's a lasting classic it's number one near and dear to my heart every time i think something else might edge it out 
it just it feels dirty. I can't I can't do anything but put this one in the number one spot. So StarCraft Brood War, my favorite game of all time. Nice. Awesome. Damn. That uh that is quite the pick. Okay. My number one. Um this one was pretty tricky for me actually. Uh Mostly because I can't pick an entire franchise. Yeah, I <laughs> I feel like I know which franchise you're going with. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, it's missed. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um. So, but uh, many times I've said that my favorite game of all time is the original Mist, and that is that is still true. I think it is like my favorite game, like of all time. But when I was making this top ten list, I was kind of like, okay, but. I sort I feel like I sort of love Mist. Um I love Mist in a vacuum, but I also really love what it spawned. And I kept asking myself, is there anything in that list that I love more than the first game? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in, in terms of like, is there anything that like supersedes the original Mist in terms of anything? You know, and 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 I would say yes, I would say a lot of its sequels do surpass it in certain elements. Um, Riven, I think, would be probably my favorite for puzzle design, um, and, and world design, just because Mm -hmm. I, I adore sections of that game, just, like, absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think Exile, which is the third game, really brought a lot to the table. Um, I think, uh, it was super cool that, uh, Brad Dorf is, uh, the villain in the game. Fucking Brad. Yeah, he's uh he was he's a huge fan of the of the series and he actually like sought them out to be like I would like to be in your game, please. <laughs> um and uh yeah, he's just he's obviously a phenomenal actor. Um and with with that game, we kind of get a little bit more of an insight into the story. Like Riven Riven definitely introduced a little bit more of the narrative, you know, the the first mist is very it's very narrative light, but you do get some hints of like, you know, there's there's a there's a a, a man here, you know, looking like leaving notes for his wife. And you slowly learn that, like, he's got two kids, two sons who are pretty much delinquents. And uh, yeah, you, you you meet them in the course of the story of Mist and you learn that, you know, they're both awful people. They try to trick you into freeing them, but if you free either of them, they just kill you and trap you, or they trap you in their books forever and then burn the book. Mm. Um, yeah, and so uh, so yeah, like, that that in and of itself is maybe, like, not the most intriguing narrative to people, but, like, seeing Riven expand on that, where you learn about Atrus's father, and how Atrus's father is also not a very good person, and sort of the history of the you know, the, the, the Dunny, the race of people who are writing these, or who used to write these books who were genocided. Um, and then, uh, Exile kind of brings more of that home in that Brad Dorf's character, uh, I think his name is Saavedro, if I remember correctly. Um, he is a victim of, uh, the, the, the Atrus's son's, like, book burnings, where his, his way home was destroyed by them. His age was destroyed by them. Uh, and so basically, like, him coming back to seek vengeance on Atris is, like, a reckoning for what the brothers did. But my pick for number one is the fourth entry in the, like, Baseline Mist series. It's called Revelation. It's a very okay. generic name. Um, but 
It is the game where Cirrus and Akinar come back. And we finally get closure on the whole family. And to me, it's just like it has it has all of the, you know, the great world designs, the great, the amazing, like top tier, not to be, you know, like still not dethroned for me, puzzle designs. Um, it has all of that that the previous games had, but it also like brings the story to a satisfying conclusion where, you know, like essentially you are back and, you know, like essentially it's Atris's daughter Yisha who was a baby in exile she's now like you know a, a young girl a teenager I think she's like 12 or 13 or something like that um and he's starting to teach her how to write ages he's starting to teach her the art of of writing these books that allow you to you know make your own worlds um and uh him and his wife him and him and Catherine have sort of been uh, you know, it's it's been it's been like over a decade since they imprisoned the the their sons, and like they're kind of starting to regret it, and kind of starting to think maybe maybe they've learned their lessons now, maybe like maybe they've re been rehabilitated, maybe we should let them back out. And uh, yeah, a lot happens, and it's just it's such a good game. It's like it's more it's got more narrative, more action than the previous ones. It's definitely got more of a like like a forward thrust. There's less kind of like Zen, just like chill and solve puzzles because mm -hmm. essentially the the brothers capture Yisha, and like you're 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 out to rescue Atrus's daughter, and yeah, it's there's just, more of a sense of urgency. There's more of a sense of urgency, but like I don't know, just the way the way. It's it's just like the perfect cap on this franchise. Again, a lot of my entries have been sort of like end of an era type entries or, you know, the 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 ending is the thing that really gets me about them. And this one is just it's a really phenomenal ending to uh the brothers, to the family. Uh there is technically a fifth mist in the like mainline games. Uh it's not very good. Um it also takes place think a hundred some years in the future and the only um the only connection you have to the previous games is you'll see like like hollow recordings of yisha as an adult she's like talking about like her her attempts to rebuild the dunny um and it's really not it's not an interesting conclusion i only got about halfway through it and i just i couldn't continue i couldn't keep going i was just kind of like I don't like this as much. Um, I just felt like four was like the perfect ending for me. It just, it just, it tied everything together. It left the family in a really like solid place. And yeah, it's just, it's great. Also a uh, phenomenal soundtrack. All of the missed games, I think have had amazing soundtracks. Um, Robin Miller did the originals. Uh, he's one of the like brothers and like, he did a lot of the art for the originals too. Um, but uh uh, they they switched to Jack Wall uh, for Miss Three, I think, and then Miss Four is Jack Wall and Peter Gabriel. What? <laughs> yeah, Peter Gabriel has uh, right has music on the soundtrack. Yeah, he specifically uh, uh, specifically one of the ages is very like uh, mystical, dreamlike. You actually enter people's dreams in it. And uh yeah, he does he does a lot of the music for that age. Uh that's fucking wild. 
I I think if I can't pick the entire franchise of of the the you know the the four missed games that I adore, I think Mist Four is probably my favorite of the of the four. Just as as a as a complete experience, as like the total package, where I just I love everything about it, but especially I love the story and I love I love the conclusion it comes to. Hell yeah! Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. All right, James, tell us why your favorite game of all time is Shaq Fu. It's Illusion of Gaia. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 uh, Illusion there of Gaia is the, the favorite game of all time. It's the game I play literally every year on or around my birthday. It's a, um, 2D top down game reminiscent of like old school Zelda games. Uh, it was, uh, published by Enix, developed by Quintet. Uh, is the sequel to Soul Blazer and prequel to Terranigma. Uh, I played this game even before I played A Link to the Past. Um, this is definitely the 100% nostalgia pick. It's the very first game that I ever 100% completed as a child. Um, this is the game that got me interested in mythology and legends and history. Uh, the game is set basically in roughly the equivalent of 16th century earth except for earth is kind of all rearranged continent wise and all of the dungeons of this game are based off of uh real world locations or locations from human mythology and and, and legend and whatnot like um the first dungeon is is like um, I believe it's the Mayan temple, basically. Like it, it deals like heavily with that, and uh, like okay. you, you go to like the the underwater city of Mew, you go to Angkor Wat, you go to the Egyptian pyramids, you go to the Great Wall of China, and the whole thing is you're going around the world trying to collect these uh, six mystic statues in order to reach the Tower of Babel and stop this comet from colliding with uh, the planet. Uh, Really rocky translation, uh, as a lot of Japanese developed games uh, on from that era uh, had. Uh, but yeah, it, it it's just overall a, a, a neat little magical game that also has some surprisingly dark elements to it. Uh, and overall, a very heartwarming ending. Uh, and it's it's just absolutely delightful and, and i love it to pieces hell yeah nice yeah awesome. it's 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 funny after making these lists like how powerful the nostalgia can be mm -hmm. but like but it feels so appropriate yeah yeah of oh, like absolutely. that that is the correct emotion to go with mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean especially like yeah i i spent a lot of time on this list because a lot of there was a lot of stuff where I like wanted to put more, you know, I have, I have a huge list of contenders I put together and a lot of them are more, uh, uh, recent games that I played mm -hmm. just purely like on a, you know, like, Oh yeah, I really liked playing that game. Oh yeah. I really liked playing that game. But then just sort of trying to remember like, you know, the games that really affected me or that really stuck with me. That was like, that was the tricky thing. Cause you know, again, it's the recency bias. It's very easy to kind of just like 
overwrite your memory with something that happened sooner um, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, I had, I had a lot on there that, you know, were kind of like, oh, I'm, you know, I really like this game, but, you know, it's kind of, like, you know, I, I had Breath of the Wild and Death Stranding and, you know, Elden Ring as contenders, but ultimately I kind of was like, okay, well, these games have a lot in common. You know, I, I obviously am a sucker for that style of game, so I really kind of want to pick one that's like my favorite of that, of that genre, mm-hmm. you know, um, or that style, I guess. Because they're kind of all slightly different genres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I also, I was like, I can't pick Abduction. I really wanted to pick Abduction for one of them, too. But Abduction is the new, newer game from the, uh, from Cyan, from the Mist studio. Oh, gotcha. Um, it's, it's very good. It's really, really good. Uh, it has some of the, it, it has some really, really interesting puzzle design that's like, you feel really good when you solve it. Um, and then there's a bullshit one where you have to, like, learn a different number system and do math with it. And I was like, no. <laughs> like, uh... Womp womp. Sorry, time to Google that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's um let's do that quick roundup now that we've uh oh, yeah, yeah. We finished idea. off that list. So yeah. as voted by you for our topic, Gooncast's top five favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. And for Lee, that was starting at number ten, Elden Ring, Pokemon Gold and Silver, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, League of Legends, put down your pitchforks. Tekken Tag Tournament, Armored Core Silent Line, Cyberpunk 2077, Kingdom Hearts 2, Shadow of the Colossus, and StarCraft, the original Brood War. Damn. All right. Uh, And for Cat, that was coming in at number 10, Super Mario Sunshine, Evolve, uh, Nancy Drew and the Curse of Blackmore Manor, Skyrim, Journey, Silent Hill 2, Sherlock Holmes, The Devil's Daughter, the Phoenix Wright Trilogy, Ghost of Tsushima, and finally, Mist 4 Revelation. And uh, as for me, it's uh, Harvest Moon 64, Drakengard, Devil May Cry 3, Dante's Awakening, Silent Hill 2, Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater, Banjo-Kazooie, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, Demon's Souls 2009, and Resident Evil 2002, and then finally, Illusion of Gaia for the Super Nintendo. Hell yeah. It's so funny how big... Caroline actually messaged me this. Uh, I don't think she knows Lee super well, but she was like, James James and Kat's lists are like 100% them. And I, like, seeing seeing Lee's list now too, these lists are just 100% us. Mm -hmm. It's so fitting to see these lists come together and like, just be like, yeah, this... This is like a perfect snapshot of these three people right here. <laughs> yeah, for real. I was I was actually just having a similar thought, Kat, when you were going through your list. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, this sounds really accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. When when I was listening to yours, I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep, 100%. <laughs> and it really paints like a good picture of like who we are as people and as gamers. And yeah. Yeah, and it makes me, you know, hate Solid. Lee more because he likes League, League of Legends. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I came from a different time. <laughs> I mean, I back, can... back when back when the sun that was shining over Summoner's Drift was a little bit brighter. <laughs> Listen, I, I in reality, yeah. I can't say shit. Dragon Guards on my list, man. That's true. That's true. It's, I got I, I got a couple of a couple of you know so called stinkers as well. But 
<laughs> I mean, you know, I think Drakengard was the only one where every both of you audibly were like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I, yeah, I knew I knew one from that franchise would be on your list, mm-hmm. and I thought it was for sure going to be I, between Automata and Near Replicant. Yes. I was like, it's got to be like I'm like Nears on his list, duh. But then, yeah, here, because no. you you always meme on how bad the, the like final boss of Dragon Guard is. So I was just like, no, it's awful. Gotta... It's awful. I've never beaten it legitimately. It's it's a fucking <laughs> dick move. It's fucking. It's a shit post of an ending. It literally <laughs> is a joke ending that Yoko Taro thought would be funny, and it is funny, <laughs> but it's fucking awful. <laughs> But that doesn't change the fact that I respect the balls for fucking including this bullshit. This this nonsensical horseshit of a final boss where it just throws out every fucking mechanic and goes, no, bro, it's Guitar Hero now. Get good. (laughs) And you you fuck up one note and you're dead. It's game over. Do the whole song over again. It's it's nonsense. But the the fucking balls on that man like that that sort of shit would never fucking fly today unless it's like indie circle right like Mm -hmm. and this is a fucking square enix joint (laughs) this this is this is a fucking triple a publisher wanting their own dynasty warriors and they happen to get yoko taro to do it (laughs) and it it was a and it was a blessing and a curse because like when they they he Yoko Taro wasn't involved in Drakengard 2 and Drakengard 2 is fundamentally a more normal game it is a more conventional JRPG narrative and that's the reason why it's the black sheep of the franchise that's the reason why Yoko Taro has been involved in every game since is because <laughs> like no the, the yeah these games are kind of shitty because except for Automata and the most recent Replicant remaster uh because of the lack of budget and the lack of 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 the inexperienced dev team and and the lack of skill and the overambition and everything like that but there's something there's something there man the the the, the insanity of this man just just pouring forth on the page it's it's i i i respect the 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 bucking of trends and ignoring sort of the the uh publisher mandates it's it's also why even though silent hill 2 is on my list i kind of have more respect for silent hill 1 because of the fact that konami was like we want you to make a more hollywood version of resident evil uh because we just want cash money from survival horror and and they they got all of their quote-unquote c-tier developers the misfits together to make this thing and the team just didn't listen to any publisher mandates. And Konami just gave up on them and let them do whatever the fuck they want. And that's how we got Silent Hill, you know? Mm-hmm. Or or Demon Souls, where it was a failed project that From Software considered basically dead in the water. And Hidetaka Miyazaki took over the project because he loved Dark Fantasy. And he wanted to fucking make a Dark Fantasy game. And his first thing was to ignore everything that Sony requested. <laughs> that was his first thing. was like, everything that Sony wants, we're not fucking just doing it. Now. Because Sony, Sony wanted them to just basically make Skyrim. They wanted their own Skyrim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and From Software couldn't do that. And Miyazaki knew they couldn't do that. So it was like, fuck that, we're not doing this shit. And Sony and the upper management at From Software were basically like, 
All right, fine. The project is a piece of shit anyway. We could cancel it at any moment. Just we don't care. Do whatever you want. And and just that sort of insanity of of just like I'm just gonna buck trend and do whatever the fuck I want. Mm-hmm. Miyazaki's now president of the company. <laughs> he got president of the company like eight years after Demon Souls came out. That's insane. Like he went from like a nobody with no game dev experience, and he just played. On, on the subject of your, your pick, uh, Shadow of the Colossus, he played Ico, and he was like, I mm. want to make video games. So he dropped yeah, out I of, like, his... This. He dropped out of his, I think, accounting job and became a game dev and started making Armored Core nice. games until Demon Souls. Thank God he did. <laughs> I, th- I think he directed um, Armored Core 5, I think. He directed one of the late, late like, the next-gen... Not next gen, but like 360 PS3 era armored core games. That was like his first directoring thing, and then, then he heard they were making this dark fantasy shit. And he's like, I'm, I'm fucking taking this shit over. Give it to me. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but yeah. All right, should we hop into the the wrap up of what we've been doing for the past past week? I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh... I've been doing nothing but playing Elden Ring. Next. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, very nice, very nice. Keep it short and sweet. Short and sweet, I love I've been it. playing Elden Ring. Uh, Jam? Uh, haven't really been doing much, but uh, only thing I can really mention is, is I, I mentioned it to you guys in the uh, our little group chat thing. I played uh, the demo for Nine Souls, which is uh, uh, the new... Uh, game by Red Candle Games. Uh, they are the um, development team behind Detention and Devotion, uh, and it's kind of bring, branching outside of their comfort zone where it's not a indie horror title. Uh, it's currently being crowdfunded. Demos on Steam. I liked it a lot. It's a 2D side-scroller uh, hack and slash sort of game, and it seems to borrow elements from the From Software sort of thing uh, with with high emphasis on parrying and. Uh, uh, you resting at like checkpoints and getting your healing items back, but like enemies mm-hmm. kind of respawn and whatnot. Uh, shows a lot of promise. Uh, art style is really really cool. Uh, narrative is, from what the art style was portraying, is is surprisingly dark and fucked up and interesting. And I'm curious to see uh, the final product when it ships next year. Cool. Great. Oh yeah. Um, I ended up getting my plat for Horizon Forbidden West on uh, a couple days ago. Nice. Yeah, so I I went back to the game because I was just like, hey, I got my plat for for Elden Ring. That was my big push. 170 hours in, I was like, cool. After 170 hours of this other game, let me dive back into the game I started before this. Um, and it was surprisingly not a big deal to get back into it. I think because I was playing on a lower difficulty, and also because it's pretty handholdy about, you know, tutorializing you with stuff. Uh, but that kind of ultimately became a bit detrimental. I don't know if something weird happened with a patch that broke stuff, but I was having issues with um, audio mixes. The, uh, the, the music and a lot of the background noise was, was tuned way higher than the, uh, the dialogue in, in cinematics, which, not great. Not a great look. Um... And also, I uh, uh, <laughs> I had a hitbox issue, actually, 
that really bothered me, um, which might have been because I was playing on a hard on a lower difficulty. Maybe they just tuned it that way. Although I think that's not the right way to tune that th that sort of thing. There should be an option to like limit Hintvox, or certainly this shouldn't happen. Um, I think I mentioned to you guys I was fighting some of the final enemies in like the final chapter, and uh, I had been I was with a I had an AI buddy with me, and uh, I, I at this point was had a pretty solid like grasp of like how to encounter enemies i would like scan them double check what their weaknesses were what their elemental weaknesses were and then start hitting them with whatever elemental weakness they had um and so i did that i scanned these last enemies and they were weak to acid and plasma and i was like dope i just got a plasma bow i'm gonna fucking whip that shit out and start start blasting it with plasma i start doing that my ai companion starts yelling at me hey aloy you gotta use acid on them they're weak to acid and i'm like i'm <laughs> they have two elemental weaknesses and I'm using one of them right now. <laughs> like, Leave me maybe alone. I, yeah, maybe, first of all, I scanned them so I saw what their elemental weaknesses were, not but like less than a minute ago, and then I'm actively shooting them with one of their elemental weaknesses, so clearly I understand how elemental weaknesses work, game. Don't do that. <laughs> like, don't absolutely don't do that kind of shit. It's, you know. So, yeah, that was a little frustrating, but, uh, Ultimately, pretty solid game. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a nice easy, uh, it, it's a nice easy plat. So very very breezy. But I you know, I I, I think I think Horizon would have done better in both cases if it had scheduled its release better. <laughs> like really, next time you just need to release like a month earlier than Breath of the Wild or Elden Ring. Yeah. The kind of, like, genre-defining open worlds. Well, at, at least to Gorilla's credit for, mm -hmm. for Forbidden West, Elden Ring was supposed to launch in January, a full month before Horizon. But That's true. But bugs and polish resulted sure. in them delaying it for a month. That said, right. Gorilla and Sony should have just been like, all right, I'll fuck, we're going to push it to March. Yeah, we're, we'll push it too. Yeah, exactly. 100%, I think, I think they should have... They should have been like, okay, we'll give ourselves a little extra time too, just because, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, push it to push it to a couple of weeks afterwards or like a month afterwards, just because there's there was way too much hype around Elden Ring, way too much hype around Breath of the Wild, and I think that like these games would have done, you know, I I don't think they did poorly at all by any means. I think a lot of people really like them. Um, I personally am like, they're all right. Uh, the first one was fine the second one improved a lot on the first one um i really like i really like the narrative of the like before the collapse kind of stuff that you uncover through the through exploration i think that stuff's really cool but a lot of the like modern day drama that's happening with her i really didn't like that they like they did the super cheap easy thing of like just instead of making the character you know like like, putting the character exactly where they were at the end of the game, they, like, reversed her character development, where, like, at the end of last game, she kind of, like, you know, she started the game being a loner and, and being, you know, intentionally isolated because she's an outcast and there's, you know, story reasons for that, and then kind of, like, slowly but surely proving herself and, like, gaining companions that, like, help her and, you know, like, learning to rely on other people. And they kind of just, like, threw that into reverse for the second game because they were like, oh, we can't have, like, buddy AI with us the whole time, so therefore she's going to be aloof and independent and not know how to work with people again. And you're just kind of like, don't do that, games. 
<laughs> don't 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 pretend like the characters suddenly like you know just backpedal on their development just just you know you you can make another excuse for why they can't be there with you you know so that's that's my only thing i have i have like i i don't really think it's like you know it's not it's not ever going to crack my top tens i don't think it's even going to make like the top 10 of this year for me kind of thing mm-hmm. um but it it was a i think a lot of people aren't giving it enough credit because and i think that's purely because of release date timing like i think it would get a lot more positive feedback positive like responses if it weren't if it weren't mostly people being like ugh like why is everyone only talking about elden ring we should talk about this game it's like if it had just its own little breath, like it, you know, had some room to breathe, had its own little date where it was like it was like the big thing that came out and everyone could talk about it for a week, that would be cool, <laughs> like right? <laughs> that would have been way better. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's it. That's all. All right. So uh, yeah. The people spoke. Yeah. They made their voices heard. Thank you guys for, for voting. I'm I'm glad we could provide you guys with this little insight into our characters and our, you know, our, our gooniness. Really glad we got to express so many opinions about the Silent Hill circumcision theory. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, and, boy. And don't forget, people, our individual lists don't really matter. Because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, we all just want you to go play Illbleed. <laughs> and Ring Terror's Realm. Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, no, tr- truly though, like these lists are very they're they're very personal, obviously. None of us are saying that these are like, you know, the greatest games of all time and if you don't like them, then you're an idiot or whatever. These are just the games that are the most definitive to us in terms of our yeah. gaming careers and who we are as people and, you know. And and you know, it's also important to remember that at the end of the day, it's it's like the guy from Creep Show that's just like, yeah, I want my cake, but the cake is his foreskin. To quote Wang. Mm-hmm. 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 You gotta watch out for that satanic Illuminati foreskin harvesting. Uh, that said, no, um, um, yeah, it's, it's these are a favorite list, favorite games. It's not best. Just chill out. Everybody's yep. allowed to like whatever they want. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Just, just chill yeah. out. Yeah. Everybody, everybody like what you want, and you know, like I mean, and it, and if. If us talking about any of these games, like, kind of, like, kindled some interest for you, like, awesome. I hope, you know, if you do decide to check out any games on our lists, I hope you enjoy them, you know. Don't play Omicron, plenty, though. Plenty of good stuff. Don't play Omicron. <laughs> also, you can't play Evolve, so don't play Evolve. <laughs> play Omicron. <laughs> All right. Uh, Not... So, yeah, signing off. It's Cat, uh, a.k.a. the Attack Cat on Twitch. Um... You know, probably going to get back into streaming at some point. It's going to be a busy couple months, though, so maybe not for a while. But keep on keeping on, everybody. Hell yeah. And this was, uh, once again, your boy Lee Alder, the Valley Jester, uh, on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash Valley Jester. Uh, taking a hiatus right now as I am back into school. I'm uh, a student of addiction studies now. So yeah. I will be given a given that career move the majority of my time for a little bit, and the rest of it will be serving Lady Ronnie. <laughs> so, uh, fuck yeah! Keep your eyes on the stars, everybody. There you mm-hmm. go. Eyes on the stars. Uh, yeah, this is James Saber zero three zero seven on Twitch. Uh, streaming all sorts of shit. Streaming uh, 
belated streaming Resident Evil remake for its 20th anniversary and also finishing oh, off yeah. Illusion of Gaia. Uh, and then we'll be getting back into the extra life shit and periodically chipping away at that piece of shit Omicron because fuck you, Lee. Uh, yeah. So in the meantime, uh, you all take care of yourself, stay safe, be excellent to each other, and um, satanic Illuminati foreskin harvesting. Satanic Illuminati foreskin harvesting. Yeah, and get fucked. That's my new death metal band. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>